Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, we've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, his wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at GoFundMe.com slash F slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039S hyphen butt. Uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's gofundme.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. You know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan, and, you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated just hang in there matt you'll beat this thing soon my name's johnny lawrence and i teach a bunch of little kids well hello mr lawrence i'm richard dragon how can i help you today well you see i need help as a i need some uh assistant instructors uh to come in to help my little kid karate gangs your karate gangs yeah, you know, we're being really, like, badass, kicking all the dweebs all across Reseda and the rest of the valley, uh, breaking arms, uh, stealing stuff, you know, re- doing really cool badass stuff, listening to Ario Speedwagon, stuff like that, right. driving, driving how- Trans Ams and shit. You said you teach this to kids, though. How old are they? Oh, they're, like, nine. 10 maybe and they're breaking arms yeah i mean maybe oldest is like 15 but they're almost aging out okay you look to be like kind of like you know the coolest dude around thanks master knows a master right right and what what style are you master of cobra kai man you don't know it? We're famous throughout all the valley. I'm afraid I'm not that familiar. I'm only in the valley for the weekend. You don't know all of our karate gangs? So it's karate. Okay. I mean, it's like, it has some bases in Tang Do, actually, but yeah, it's like karate, whatever. Who gives a fuck? Okay. So you're a master of karate? Uh, yeah. That's it? Master of karate, and I need an assistant master for my little kid dojo gangs. What do you say, old buddy old pal? Okay, first off, it's not buddy old pal. You can call me Richard Dragon, you can call me Mr. Dragon, but no nicknames, okay? How about I call you Dick? Dick Dragon. That's a first. Oh? All right, well, let me just see if this is going to work out anyway. I'm kind of in between assignments right now. Assignments? Why don't we, yes, for my other job, but anyway. Other job, huh? Yes, I got a few of those. Myself, handyman, what have you. Right, it's not quite like that, but okay. Why don't we try something out? 
why don't we see we'll just see what we know about each other how about that we just sure. uh, do a little sparring session here sparring session okay okay come inside all right i'm taking off my shoes i hope you have other people take their shoes off too here oh uh uh sure yeah of course we do it's not very let me just sure. get my get my shoes off and i'm ready all right I'm bowing and uh, what? Uh, oh shit! What the fuck? What? Mommy. Okay. That was worse than even that other guy. I only threw one kick. I don't know exactly why you had to react that way. That sure was a lot of watas for one kick. Somebody get the license plate on that truck. All right. You know what, Mr. Lawrence? Yeah. I don't know if this is going to work out. Maybe it's not, because I, my assistant can't be more badass than me. Master, what's going on? What happened? Hawk, can you just stand by for just a fucking second? You're always getting in the way of shit. This guy's way cooler than you. I'm switching dojos again. I'm sorry, kid, but I just don't take people who look like roosters. It's a hawk, man. Mohawk, get it? I thought you were cool, dude. Hey, man, calm down. Hawk, he's a real badass dude. I mean, just look at him. He looks like Bruce Lee. Yeah, that's why I'm switching dojos. Based on looks alone, you just, you look like a washed out turd. Not sure whether to be flattered or insulted by racism on this. He looks like Bruce Lee. Good enough for me. I'm switching. Go take Jeet Kune Do, kid. I'm out of here. What's Jeet Kune Do? Don't worry about that. Shut up, old man. I'm getting mixed messages. One side or the other. Choose, you dumb kid. There's not much of a choice. I'm not even teaching at a dojo. Oh, man, now I'm stuck with blonde dipshit over here. Uh, I mean, if they're all like this little idiot with the mohawk. Idiot? All right, you and me right now. Let's do this shit. I'm taking my shirt off. You don't want to do this, kid. All right. What? <laughs> I guess we'll just leave you to your own devices, Dick. Once we heal back, we'll get this dojo back in ship shape. And just never tell anybody about this, okay, Dick? Right. Good luck with that. And no, I'm not planning on telling anybody that I uh, beat a 15-year-old. That just seems... It seems a little dishonorable. And shut the fuck up, Hawk. <laughs> yeah, Hawk, shut the fuck up. Oh, man! Welcome to Nanda Parbat, a.k.a. Superhero Stuff You Should Know, the Nanda Parbat of podcasts. Here we are. It is I, the man who knows too much about Batman, Ben, and with me, as usual, doing some moves is... Ben, there's only one way to start off this episode, and that is with the phrase, What in the funky hell? And this week we're talking about Batman Soul of the Dragon. We're back to the Batman stuff, of course. And we're it back. Is the, the first Batman movie. No of more. It could have been better. <laughs> that phrase is now is no. Nobody even commented on that. Thank you for that, by the way, everybody in the audience, <laughs> listening out there. But I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, restrict myself. No more of that phrasing, and okay. uh, I wouldn't say no more, but less Burt Ward dick jokes. But I can't take them out entirely. <laughs> 
there's no Robin in this, so yeah. it's a little easier. So we're, it's to, good to avoid that in this one. But yeah, for here we're going to talk about uh, the new movie as well as go into everything that you didn't know about the characters involved and the stories involved for Soul of the Dragon. This is definitely a treat uh, for a lot of us who are into not just Batman but also just martial arts and I am excited. Me too. Me I too. am so, excited. Let's dive in then into our thoughts on Soul of the Dragon. I will start, uh, but this definitely want, made me want uh, a Richard Dragon movie, a live-action <laughs> yeah. Richard Dragon movie. Yeah, 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 <clears throat> for sure. Yeah. Like Marvel can have Shang Chi and do their own, you know, stuff with the Mandarin and make it part of mysticism or sci-fi elements, but DC can do Richard Dragon, a Bruce Lee meets James Bond type, because like that, you know, like that's. It's it's a great mix. The first five minutes I just loved because it brought me so much back to growing up with the Sean Connery, James Bond movies and the Bruce Lee movies that I had on VHS. Uh, funny enough, I saw I didn't have Enter the Dragon on VHS as I had to get that on DVD, uh, and I actually saw that one the least, even though that's the most famous out of his uh, out of his movies. It's almost as if they're sitting on a gold mine, Ben. I know. You know, they need to I do just, something. With I this. just don't know. <laughs> Uh, but this definitely is more of a Richard Dragon movie than a Batman movie. Now, I'm going to get a little bit into... We're going to get into spoiler territory. So if you guys haven't seen this yet and you're just trying to check this out and see whether or not you check it out, definitely check it out it's and then come Batman back Batman Soul of the Dragon. Yep. New and animated show and spoilers are about to happen. <laughs> so this is one of the, I think, the first times where we really dive deep into his training with Kung Fu and specifically... Uh, you know that side of it because we saw we saw a little bit of the League of Shadows, which is kind of just a, a mix of everything. Uh, sort of Batman Ninja dealt with the Japanese culture. Now we're dealing with Chinese culture. Uh, I mean, for the most part, it's still you know yeah, some it is more of a Japanese term. But it, I'm going to talk more about that. Way. But yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah, mostly yeah. Chinese. Yeah, um, I do love the world and the concept of this. I love the characters that were brought in. To me, it was mostly a treat for that i felt like it's fun but it's kind of also compared to what we're used to animation wise it doesn't quite really match up to stuff like mask of the phantasm or under the red hood but it wasn't really meant to either i don't think i think it was just a nice fun throwback to the 1970s with showing a lot of potential for these characters when they come into live action especially you know my favorite of the movie richard dragon i'm just going to preface this this is one of the rare times where uh, my favorite character in a Batman movie is not actually Batman or a Batman-related character, but right, is right, actually right. Richard Dragon. That's what so. this movie is, though, I think. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's Batman to sell some fucking, you know, streaming, whatever you call mm -hmm. it. I would say Blu-rays, but that shit's dead. Right. He's sell really whatever. not the star of this show as much. I mean, right. he still has, isn't a good amount. Don't get me wrong. It's not like he has a cameo in this. And they do have a decent showcase of one particular character trait that I'll go into when we when we go into there. Right. Uh, but it's it's really not much of a Batman movie so much as a as it is a throwback to stuff like Enter the Dragon and James Bond movies with DC characters and with some lesser known DC characters that are a great introduction to people who might not know about these characters in the first place. So um, I liked it. Not one of my favorite animated movies, but I liked it for what it was. How about you, Andrew? It was a lot better than I expected. I the trailer I just thought was like, okay, I like the premise. I was mm -hmm. gonna see it because it's Batman focusing on martial arts and shit. So mm -hmm. you already got me, of course. But other than that, the trailer I don't know. It didn't like super like drag me in. Right. But with 
like the overall the movie overall is pretty good it's definitely a thumbs up it's not without problems but mm-hmm. it's, the problems aren't even that big of a deal i guess i mean one of the biggest things for me is somebody that's always been in the japanese culture and i know a little bit about chinese just because their history's so right. connected is they call the sifu or yeah i'm pretty sure it's sifu it's chinese it's, so si- it's sifu sifu right chinese kung fu yeah sifu so like should be just say Sifu, man. They call him O Sensei, which is right. a Japanese he, he word. He is he is a character in the comics called the O Sensei. They kind of combined. They did a classic thing of combining both. I feel it's like you're supposed to be woke on Asian cultures, and the director is <laughs> Asian, right? Isn't the director of this Asian the same as Sam Liu or something? I could be getting that wrong. Yeah, Sam Sam Liu, I believe. Yeah. Uh, for anybody wondering and who isn't too familiar about this, uh, Andrew lived in Japan and knows a lot more about I Japanese culture that. than I do. So if it seems weird that he's talking so much more about it than I am, it's because he actually knows more about it than I do. I don't know shit about the Chinese American experience. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's Ben's territory, obviously. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't know much about the Japanese experience either. But I lived in Japan for three years and I've been into the Japanese stuff my whole life. And so... Not that I'm a super expert or anything. I didn't go. I didn't go to college for it either. So there's that. I'm just talk kind of not out of my ass, but just kind of you know giving my my thoughts on what. Right, but you do the little you I do, do know. You do know enough, I'd say that like I, I can turn to you and say like, hey, is this does this line up with what you know of Japanese culture and yeah. and knowing the language and everything. So so yeah, so so, O Sensei. It's used, but not. It depends on the martial art. I know Aikido, they use it. Morihei Ueshiba, they call him O Sensei. Mm-hmm. Um, the O is an honorific uh, in Japanese language, which adds even more uh, honor to it. And it can be even used for inanimate objects, like <laughs> like if Mizu is water, but you can ask mm-hmm. for Omizu. Okay. Um, it might be a different kanji. I'm not sure, but. It adds more. So it's like saying, instead of sensei being teacher, sense, O sensei means great teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's mm-hmm. that. Um, but anyway, the, the, the point I was trying to make was it seems to be mostly a Chinese look uh, with like the Shaolin robes. And right. I mean, they're all wearing karate geese. Um, so it's just kind of like this mix of yeah. shit, which is like this, whatever. Yeah. yeah. These characters do come from a comic book that isn't Batman, but is. Uh, titled Richard Dragon Kung Fu Fighter. Okay. So it is meant to be Kung Fu, even though they gave him the name O-Sensei uh, back in the <laughs> 70s. <laughs> they just didn't so. know, man. They didn't know. <laughs> it's cool. I mean, I, it's it's such a minor gripe, right? I mean, mm-hmm. all the story points, this is not a review episode, by the way. We're going to do di- deep dive in a minute. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Just sorry about that, guys. But just we'll, we'll get through it. Um so that that kind of like stuff that's Japanese that probably should be Chinese just for consistency sh- sake. Minor gripe, but it's okay. And mm-hmm. um, Batman, correct me if I'm wrong, Ben, but he seems to be kind of early career Batman in this. He's he in does, the weaker side. Yeah, yeah he re- like it surprised me when it's Bronze Tiger who figures out how to defeat those snake guys versus yeah, Batman. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that... I I don't know about that. <laughs> like, they want to give it to they want to give something to everybody though. I mean, it's I okay. I get it, but like play off of their strengths. Like Batman's supposed to be the master strategist, even if he's early career. I would imagine, you know, that 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 would still be a thing. Whereas Bronze Tiger was characterized as the angry one, the one who has to like keep his temper and stuff. Like let him be a Hulk type of 
force yeah. if need be when you need like play up each character's strengths in that don't suddenly make like okay now bronze tiger is more and smarter than batman in this that's I'm like, right i i don't know about that but like bronze tiger definitely needs his own strengths and to show them but i don't necessarily think that was that played the way that it should have uh in at least my view and also batman does sort of look a little bit more like the the bill finger take on it based yeah. off the ears yeah that's true a little pointed pointed outward right yeah, yeah. So like this, like the one that I'm showing right now yeah. for the no purple gloves though. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, early early days. That definitely was the intention. He wasn't. Yeah, he he didn't seem like because he gets his ass beat when he's not Batman when he's just Bruce. But it's mm-hmm. it's which is cool to see, and it kind of makes me think like I do kind of like that. I like the idea of Batman sort of like he's a obviously a great fighter, one of the best in the world, especially mm-hmm. in his peak prime years but um you know without the suit without the gadgets without all the stuff around him like maybe he can get his ass beat a lot you know like i if they Mm -hmm. they can balance out the character like that a little bit like i think i thought that was kind of that's kind of cool you know like a one-on-one you know with with another dude you know or or woman whatever like Mm -hmm. i don't know it was just uh it was cool to see that he made him. He does feel pretty human in this, you know. Yeah. Batman yeah, feels pretty so. human, which is a very big plus, I think. Sometimes you get too far into the Bat God stuff, and it's, <laughs> it's just like uh, the Grant Morrison Bat God. Some of that's some of that's like oh whatever, but mm-hmm. um, Shiva's great. Um, the whole thing, yeah, that's really good. I mean, it, the way it, I like the ending too. Uh, but I guess we'll get into that. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's it was good. It's good. It's a it's an interesting take because I don't think we've ever seen a kung fu Batman movie. Like the closest we got to just a general martial arts Batman movie was Batman Ninja, uh, but this is as we've noted before, this is more on the the Chinese culture at least, in, or a little bit less in terms of them armored up like samurai, like in Batman Ninja. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but let's dive into it. So I decided to just kind of make this breakdown by character starting with the the main cast and going a little bit into the villains when we get to the end okay uh in terms of comparisons as well as some of our own opinions so of course let's start with batman uh batman in this movie is voiced by an actor named david Giantoli, who uh, played the main character in the nbc show greed along with his now wife bitsy tulloch bitsy tulloch is familiar to dc fans because bitsy tulloch is now playing lois lane in the upcoming cw show superman and lois oh yeah that looks so good. It's a uh, it's a DC household he's been talking about. Funny enough, uh, David Chantoli's early work, one of his early roles, was as quote unquote Sneed Batman guy in the show Veronica War- Mars. What? So, yeah, and it's I looked it up because I was just like, what does this mean? Because I haven't seen Veronica Mars, and yeah. I saw on Google Images, it's literally he's in a red sweater that says Sneed Batman in it. So I don't, I don't know what the backstory behind that is, but I don't know if it's really... I don't think it necessarily is tied into the DC Comics character at all. It's just kind of okay. a funny tie-in. Uh, one of the biggest surprises for me, though, in this entire movie was that the first time we meet Bruce Wayne, he's getting broken up with by, with Silver St. Cloud. Yeah, that's and right. I, like, I thought about us. <laughs> I thought about us, man. I'm like, this is perfect. So if you guys haven't seen it yet, check out our deep dives into uh, the Steve Englehart and Marshall Rogers comics that feature and introduce Silver St. Cloud in our episode is Batman 89, a ripoff of Strange Apparitions, and his sequel, uh, Did The Dark Knight, ripoff Dark Detective. Yeah. Uh, here... Silver is voiced by an actress named Erica Luttrell. 
And, you know, once I saw the hair, I was like, you got to be kidding me. But it makes sense because she was the main love interest in that era, even though it was only a few issues. Like, that's... She and Talia are pretty much the big 1970s Batman uh, representations of Batman's girlfriend at that time, of his love life. That's Uh, cool. Bruce kind of looks like he's drawn by Marshall Rogers a little bit to me as well. So that's kind of a nice throwback. Uh, But the big difference here is that in here she breaks up with him because he's not willing to tell her about that side of his life as opposed to in the comics where she actually did figure out that he was Batman and she broke up with him because uh, of that because of not really knowing whether or not he will ever come home alive again so it's an interesting difference so maybe even if Bruce had told her about his secret it wouldn't have made much of a difference anyway so should she go to marry uh, Evan Gregory finally (laughs) and then they went on to do a duel finally Evan Gregory. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> I do kind of wish this Batman looked closer to the 1970s Batman with the Neil Adams yeah, look of the cool. muscular blue and gray. Instead, there's a little hints of blue in it, but he looks a little bit more like the Bill Finger Batman. And apparently, according to Bruce Tim, they wanted to do that. They wanted to make him look like the Neil Adams Batman, but they, quote unquote, didn't have time to crack the code. So I guess they... They tried it out and they didn't like it, and they're just Neil like, yeah, Adams came over else. and was like, "I'm going to correct <laughs> all of you on how to do this, and I'm going to tell you how to draw black people." Yes, <laughs> he fucking says that shit in real life, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's oh, he's man. you know great artist, great you know legacy in comics, but some of the comments, dude. Man from anyway. the '70s, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, also interesting, Batman doesn't seem to have a no kill rule in all this. I don't know if you noticed that, but he doesn't say anything about being against killing people. He seems okay with Shiva killing people. He even snaps Osensei's neck with a cape at the end, if you remember that. But then there's also the ambiguity of, like, is that mainly because he knew that was a supernatural creature? You know, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's because it's supernatural at that point. I do think the kill rule mm-hmm. gets bent a little bit at that point. Right, right. Him, and then still- the kill rule is just for himself, right? But he is kind of standing uh, by and watching other people yeah, kill other people. Yeah, so. he's usually yeah. yeah, but he's usually not a fan of seeing that when he's teams up with them. Yeah, you know? yeah, like that's in, true. When we covered the Dark Detective sequel that was never made, he like teams up with Deadshot, but only on the condition that Deadshot doesn't shoot anybody to death. Right. right so right. I'm just like, eh, that's that's a little hazy in this movie. Yeah. We haven't really covered that much. It would have helped separate him from the other characters. I okay. Think, if they did that, uh, but one thing that I think is interesting is how as we talked about he's not necessarily the smartest fighter because of what happens with bronze tiger uh but one thing that they nailed to me and what separates him from other characters is this sheer tenacity yeah yeah when you got the sequence where he's punching the rock until his his hand bleeds and he keeps punching it even when it bleeds or when ben turner beats the shit out of him yeah and he's still and that's how he gains that guy's respect is not because he beat him in the fight but because he was willing to go all the way that scene reminded me a little bit of last samurai whenever his he's just got the he's getting his ass beat by the kid i think right and he just moving his sword (laughs) along the fucking ground like Mm -hmm. Uh, like you're gonna have to fuck it. I don't know. You have to. You have to kill me, motherfucker. You know. Uh, <laughs> that that was. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. I like that too. That stuff's yeah, always moving. Yeah. It's never not moving. You could watch yeah. it like every day of your life, and you're like, I'm still moved. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Definitely. <laughs> it, the, those training sequences I thought were top notch, especially because we we've covered extensively the training stuff 
on this podcast and so i thought the that element especially show like hey like he might not be the most experienced fighter in this period of time of his training but he never he has one thing that's different from everyone else in this and it's that he never gives up even if it means that it's going to kill him He's, Even at this stage, it's it's the death wish, man, right? He's got. Don't you think there's this inner death wish? It's like, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel like stop criminals or die trying, pretty much. Yeah, it's pretty much like I'm, I'm going to kill myself in this. If I'm if I'm ever going to die, I'm gonna. It's going to yeah. be during my crusade, yeah, or during training. Like, and mm-hmm. he's hundred percent down for that death. I feel like, <laughs> you know what I mean? He doesn't want to die. Yeah. Doesn't it's not out for suicide, but if it happens, mm-hmm. you know I don't give a fuck. You know that's right, just kind of right. what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Uh, tactically, I do think you probably love the tactical t- the tactical cape in that moment. I was, was I, like, I, I thought about us again <laughs> during that. Um, what it, do you have that other people don't? A, a cape. cape. Yeah. <laughs> Snap. <laughs> we need more tactical cape shit. That was really great. Um, yeah. And I was I was so happy too that it didn't end it because I was again thinking that was too quick and this is kind of Richard Dragon's movie so um, right, you know what I mean yeah. like I was just glad like Bats gets his in but mm-hmm. really we go back to what the movie's about you know what I mean right, so like right. that kind of that kind of like action pacing and the balancing of all those factors was was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's time to update the Batman training timeline that we did a while <laughs> back as well. Believe it or not, that was like a little over just a year ago oh, <laughs> that man. we did that. It does not feel that way. Uh, but uh, we have a two-hour episode that where I did the full breakdown of the timeline between basically the 50s through 2020 at that point. Uh, obviously didn't cover soul of the dragon so here uh bruce undergoes training at nanda parbat which was also a surprise to me i didn't know that osensei was going to be at nanda parbat this is uh, like a shangri-la kind of thing right like kind of it's tied in lots to uh to uh, boston brand yeah a lot and uh, the first time that it was revealed to be part of batman's training was actually in the dc animated universe and justice league unlimited in the episode dead reckoning where uh, basically Bruce's old master gets in trouble with the Legion of Doom and uh, Deadman shows up to kind of let Batman know that that's happening and Deadman and Bruce kind of have that connection of knowing the master. They just call him the master over in that episode. It wasn't Osensei because Osensei is a different character uh, on it. But uh, that was sort of the first indication. And then later on, Grant Morrison in uh, issue Batman number 663 had a hint that uh, Bruce knew a meditation or would practice a meditation or some sort of prayer uh, whenever he encountered victims uh, and a homicide sort of thing. So that is interesting. Uh, again, I said this in the timeline, but Nanda Parbat is actually not part of Ra's al Ghul's mythology that much. A lot of people think that Ra's al Ghul hangs out at Nanda Parbat. Well, no, it's actually, it's a completely different thing. As Andrew says, more of a Shangri-La type of place that's tied in with dead man and a bunch of other characters not, so nanda parbat's more of like an asian thing but not china right we're talking like maybe laos or it's a, something like that like it's just oh yeah. it's a made-up city so we don't really know it's a, it's made up and yeah. it's in like its own secret it's like nepal a kind place. of thing yeah, it's a nepal yeah. kind of thing i think yeah yeah uh, so it's not really supposed to be rosal girl's hideout it's it became rosal girl's hideout in the arrowverse but it's actually that's not actually not accurate to the comics so 
anyway, in terms of our timeline, I would just say, obviously, this fleshes out what would have happened in Nanda Parbat, and maybe it was both the O-sensei and the master, or maybe the same character in our amalgamized timeline. But uh, this obviously gives us an idea of a lot more of what he was going through when he was among all these other martial artists and stuff. Right. Uh, let's see. We are going to get more training, just a quick tangent, but we're going to get more training glimpses in an upcoming comic called, again, The Dark Knight. It's called The uh, Dark Knight? That's it's the name called of the comic? The <laughs> yes, it's by Tom Taylor and Andy what? Kubert. It's coming in April, and it's about a more grizzled Batman going to, I guess, London in order to solve a case. But apparently Tom Taylor said that we'll get more flashbacks of Bruce in his training days in the past. So... We'll see what happens. It's kind of an interesting concept, but also they could have picked a more creative name at yeah. this point. That's what the hell, man. That's like a, there's so much they could do. I know there's like a thousand bat takes, but come on, man. Exactly. Maybe they wanted to emphasize the night part, you know. Is it K-N or just N? Oh, it's That's K-N. It's K-N, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, if it was just England? N, that would be more. Yeah. If it was just N, then that would at least be a difference, but not in this case. So. Okay. Anyway. All right. Uh, that's pretty much the stuff that I got on Batman in this because, you know, this is more of an ensemble movie. Yeah. Uh, so I say let's go on to my favorite character, Richard Dragon. As yeah, I said, it was this cool. is uh, more of a Richard Dragon movie than a Batman movie. Yes. And he's obviously designed off of Bruce Lee. <laughs> yes. There's so, there's so very obvious. Yeah. Yeah. So, I kind of wish there was some like some other designs or you know characters or, or tropes they could draw from, but I mean, Bruce Lee is just so iconic, man. It's just hard. It's mm-hmm. hard not to do that, I guess. I mean, there's there's Fei Long in Street Fighter. There's Liu Kang in Mortal Kombat. Um, there's a there's an analog right. in, in Tekken. All the fighting games ever. Like, it just shows up in like nerd culture so so much but i mean you know what can you do i mean the, it's a iconic shit also supposed to be in the 1970s and who better yeah. exemplifies yeah, that's, that's 1970s true. kung fu than bruce lee really samo hung man <laughs> <laughs> just kidding uh he's voiced by actor and martial artist mark dacascos uh who himself was forced into martial arts since the age of six being that he's the son of two martial artists oh, wow. so that's cool he previously has played a superhero in a uh, TV pilot that didn't go anywhere, The Crow, Stairway to Heaven. So he was one of the crows following up uh, Brandon Lee. They shot a crow pilot? They did, yeah. They tried what? to turn that into a TV show. With They've been Marcus trying Cascus to make that forever, man. God. Yeah, no, I don't think they're ever really going to beat the, the Brandon Lee one. That, that, that's, a, that's a cursed franchise. I mean, God, even, even apart from what happened on set that, that time. But, yeah. But... Uh, I mean, I remember back in the day in the 90s, the Crow video game was known as one of the worst video games <laughs> ever made. Yeah. So, yeah. I just say, just leave it with the comic and the Brandon Lee movie, and that's it. But yeah. uh, also, quick trivia, Mark Dacascus says that Michael Keaton is his favorite Batman. So that's oh, cool. Wow. Okay. Uh, that's cool. But let's dive into who Richard Dragon is in the comics. So Richard Savage Dragon, Dragon's sh- brother. <laughs> he actually is did not start off as a comic book character. He first appeared in a novel oh, called shit. Kung Fu Master Richard Dragon, colon, Dragon's Fists. It basically came out in 1974, written by an author named Jim, sorry, Jim Dennis. Jim Dennis, however, was not the author's real name. That was just a pseudonym for the man we know as Dennis O'Neill. Oh, so shit. Dennis O'Neill wrote a novel creating Richard Dragon, 
who then, of course, transferred him over to his own comic book series, Richard Dragon Kung Fu Fighter. So okay. that is why the movie is dedicated to Dennis O'Neill. If you've noticed at the very end of the credits, it says, you know, in loving memory of Dennis O'Neill, it's because he created Richard Dragon. He created, uh, you know, O-Sensei, Bronze Tiger. Uh, he may have also created Lady Shiva. Uh, I have oh, to look yeah. that one up again. But uh, he created basically this mythology that the movie is basing itself off of, as well as, as we all know, is huge huge creative force behind Batman being rebooted in the 1970s. Lady Shiva was a stone cold bitch in this movie. She was <laughs> yeah, great. She was. As she usually as she like that. Be, yeah. yeah yes, right. As she usually should be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, I, she's like, I would throw Hitler's baby off a fucking cliff. Like, <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> that was a great moment. <laughs> no, that was cool. Like even, yeah. even if you don't agree with shit like that, it's like, it's just great to see character. You know what I mean? Right. You yeah. Know? And that's, I, I love that. And I wanted to see more of that, or I would love to see more of that in, in a live action movie as well. Yeah. Or, yeah. or a sequel to this. We'll see. So yeah, the cover, <clears throat> wow, my voice just broke. I'm getting puberty. Uh, <laughs> sir, your burger's ready, sir. <laughs> your burger's ready. <laughs> There's really no adjusting for inflation. <laughs> Welcome to Shifties. <laughs> it's a callback to a sketch for anybody who might be wondering where that's from. But anyway, uh, the novel Kung Fu Master Richard Dragon, Dragon's Fist, on the cover showed a Bruce Lee-looking character. He kind of looked like Bruce Lee in Game of Death because he was in yellow and stuff. Not quite the yellow jumpsuit, but it, it seemed like he was wearing yellow clothes. And that's the first image of Richard Dragon, which is strange because when he premiered in Richard Dragon Kung Fu Fighter in 1975 in the comics, he was a white dude with red hair. What? So, Richard up. Dragon... Den- Denny O'Neill was probably like, what are we doing here, guys? <laughs> yes. And then somebody, Carmine Infantino, was like, he's got to be... <laughs> Gotta be white so we can sell the, sell these funny papers. <laughs> Poor Carmine Inventino. We're mainly just doing this because of his name. It's not because of it. <laughs> I know, I dude. How are you not in the mob with that, with that name? You must at least have very close connections. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So Carmine Inventino. <laughs> it does seem like Richard Dragon was intended to be an Asian man. Was intended to be based off of. Bruce Lee, but for whatever reason, ended up being changed. So for almost pretty much all of his comic book career, he has been a white man with red hair. And we kind of have an Iron Fist type of situation where it's like the white dude as the greatest martial artist of the entire universe. I'm like, eh, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, yeah, sign of the times. I'm glad we moved forward from that. One of the big, I guess, one of the best things about this movie is... Richard Dragon got taken back. He got to become basically who he was supposed to be, or he seemed like he was supposed to be in the beginning, which was supposed to be a Bruce Lee as a superhero type of thing, what they did here. So it, it was nice to right. see that they've taken that back, and we'll see if that transfers over to future versions if we ever see this character again. Right. Uh, in the comic book version, we didn't really see this in the movie because they don't cover how Richard Dragon came into contact with O-Sensei. They just said that he's been there for a long time. In the comic book version, however... Uh, he was a thief who tried to steal from the O-Sensei. Only okay. for O-Sensei's student, Ben Turner. So in the comics, Ben Turner was there before Richard Dragon. Ben Turner Who actually caught... was, he was the Asian. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ben Turner has always been black. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, oh, it was a shit. white dude is Richard Dragon, a black dude is Ben Turner, and then a Chinese dude is the O-Sensei, or a Japanese dude is O-Sensei. Actually, uh, I'll go into... O-Sensei, O-Sensei played by John Wayne. John, <laughs> remember he played David some Mon- Mongolian guy or something back in the day. <laughs> he was Genghis Khan. He was Genghis Khan. Yeah, he was Genghis Khan. Yeah. 
Oh man, we. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm glad we live in this time. <laughs> Me too. I'm glad we live so, in this time right now. Uh, ben it's only Turner getting caught, Yeah, Ben Turner caught Richard Dragon, and they fought. But they oh sense they saw potential in Richard Dragon, and decided to train him alongside Ben Turner. So they became friends. They started out as enemies. They became friends, and together, Richard Dragon and Ben Turner ended up joining an organization called the Global Organization of Organized Defense, aka Good. The acronym. Um, Oh man, I don't know if that's better or worse than uh, what was that? The cult of what was the cult of good? Cult of good. The (laughs) Catwoman. Catwoman one. Was the cult of good in that? It was the cult of good. Yeah. Oh man. With Captain God. Captain God. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, Dragon in the movie never really reveals who he's working for because Bruce is like, you know, aren't you some sort of super spy? Does he have powers? He's He's just really awesome at kung fu. He's supposed to be basically the best martial artist in the DC universe. Okay, I would outside of Shiva. They could add a bit of, even on top of that, I'd love for fire powers or some shit, Liu Kang style. Maybe, maybe, but maybe that's too much. I don't maybe know. But maybe I, he doesn't I love really that. need that. You know, maybe he doesn't uh, need it. I guess. And there's a lot of magic surrounding kung fu mythology, anyway. So. I know, I know. So we'll see. Uh, the comic book Richard Dragon is said to have trained Bruce Wayne in a flashback scene of Richard Dragon issue number seven. I covered this in the training timeline, so it is somewhat accurate for Richard Dragon to be involved with Bruce's training, though in that version he was a trainer as opposed to a fellow student. Uh, He also would help train Barbara Gordon when she was in a wheelchair after he spent some time in the wheelchair during uh, the comic book arc during... uh, He was basically in the Question comics for a while in a wheelchair because he was temporarily uh, injured, and so he helped train Barbara Gordon as Oracle so that she would be able to defend herself from that chair. So Did, that's pretty let cool. Let me ask you a question real quick. Did he put yep. nudie mags on a fishing line and then try to get her <laughs> to stand up out, uh, out of the chair? How did you know? That's exact. <laughs> Cobra Kai is actually an it's adaptation of those comics. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel's about to show up to train under Richard Dragon to defeat Evil Chosen. Richard Dragon lit Barbara Gordon's foot on fire just to try to get her to walk. That's a hundred percent scientifically accurate too. Yes, yes. Nothing wrong uh, with that science at all. Let's see. Richard Dragon <laughs> himself has not been in adapted at all. At least this version of Richard Dragon. However, the New Fifty Two version has. So, the New Fifty Two, for whatever reason, they rebooted Richard Dragon to be a completely different character. Uh, Asian this they, time. No. God Hispanic. damn it. And New Fifty Oh Hispanic. So we're getting there. But still, his, his name is Ricardo Diaz Jr. and he <laughs> okay. killed the real Richard Dragon. Who he was, was trained. He was. They. I don't think that they revealed what that Richard Dragon <laughs> looked like. He killed the white guy. <laughs> he killed the white version. We're of Richard woke Dragon now. <laughs> and took over as Ricardo Diaz and AKA Richard Dragon in his version. So he That's was basically Miguel's father and Cobra Kai. <laughs> Cobra Kai. It's That's why it doesn't show up. Yeah. It's coming yeah. together. <laughs> the, so this is a Latino martial artist who becomes a Green Arrow villain. But the reason why this is relevant is because we actually saw him in Arrow for two seasons. Ricardo Diaz was the main villain of uh, season six and seven. Well, half of seven, played by Kirk Acevedo. But again, he doesn't really have much resemblance to the original Richard Dragon that we're talking about. He's obviously not Asian. Didn't really have a lot of martial arts training. He was mostly just a, a, a mob <laughs> boss. And that's it. So this is what I consider to be the first adaptation of the real Richard Dragon. So, so. New 52 made him Latino. Was he now in Rebirth? Do you know? 
I don't he know if he's up shown yet? up in Rebirth. But if he does show up in Rebirth, he better be like Bruce Lee in this version. Dude, uh, I mean, I, I really feel like they're just sitting on... <laughs> like you just said, kung fu spy shit. Although, yeah. I would put it in modern times. It's just a personal preference of mine. I generally prefer my superheroes in modern day. But I understand oh, this yeah, is the yeah. height of Bruce Lee flicks. It being in... You know, in the I'm, in the mid seventies, I get you it. You don't have to make this a nineteen seventies Richard Dragon. This could still yeah. be, you know, the Born Identity, but with yeah. Richard Dragon. You fucking kidding throw me? Throw in, yeah. you know, throw in Henry Golding. You know, yeah, exactly. Daniel Dude's Day already Kim, Snake Eyes. Any yeah. anybody, any any of these guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's oh, he's see. fucking let's... Snake Eyes in that movie coming out, right? Henry Golding. Yeah. G- G- God is. damn it, dude! I'm yeah. looking forward to that, man. Yeah, that should be cool. Uh, that's gonna be cool. I thought I would go quickly before we get to the break into a few of the Bruce Lee connections because there's uh, there's some obvious connections here. He's dressed very much like Bruce Lee, especially in the finale. He's pretty much straight up dressed like Bruce Lee (laughs) in the beginning of Enter the Dragon when he's in these bluish, blackish robes with the sort of white uh, parts sticking out. And, of course, he goes shirtless at the end because what good Bruce Lee movie wouldn't have him do that? You need it. You need that. Um, <laughs> also in the beginning I noticed that the bouncer he almost gets into a fight with seems like he's designed off of Robert Hall who played the henchman O'Hara in Enter the Dragon with the whole like the reddish curly hair and the beard he seems very much deliberately based off of that actor uh, from that he just doesn't have the scar from Enter the Dragon uh, but the big forgotten fact is that Bruce Lee has guest starred with Batman he was in the 1966 show of Batman oh, yeah. when they crossed That's over right. with Green Hornet because we keep forgetting. Connection. Yeah, he was Cato to the Green Hornet, and they did a crossover with uh, the Green Hornet and Batman at the time with Bruce explaining that he and uh, Brett Reed, the Green Hornet's uh, alter ego, went to school together, and they were rivals ever since. So that was kind of the big superhero crossover of the 1960s. Just imagine what they would think these days with our uh, cinematic universes. Yeah, I know, but, right? Uh, Bruce Lee guest starred in three episodes The Spell of Tut, A Piece of the Action and Batman Satisfaction so he is part of the Batman universe as Kato so it's, it's kind of cool. I forgot all about that man yeah, yeah that's awesome. Don't is, they ask like why are they wearing those funny costumes or something <laughs> <laughs> when they, they're both they're, funny costumes when they're going up the uh, you know the famous <laughs> shot of them coming up the thing and they, they put their duck their, the Kato and, the, and uh, Green Hornet stick their head mm-hmm. out of the window Ah, anyway, it's a it's an iconic we'll scene. To, I think. Yeah, we might have to look relook into that. But uh, I I saw it a long time ago, the crossover uh, with those two, and it's it's a forgotten part of history because you don't immediately associate. You always think like Batman, Superman, Batman, and the Justice League, but you forget like, oh yeah, Batman and the Green Hornet, like that was a thing. That was a, probably the first live action crossover, or no? You're probably right. Honestly, that was probably the first superhero live-action crossover that I can think of because they didn't cross over the serials. Yeah, right. Uh, at the time, that's not, this that, is the 1960s. Well, that's not, not even to live action, really. I mean, I mean, they're real people, but it's just voices, like. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's that's true. It was probably a crossover before because we didn't have any of the, we didn't really have the animated shows crossing over either. At and the time. George was, Reeves didn't have any know. crossovers of any kind. Probably not, not right? really. The closest that we got was that uh, one episode had Clark Kent's friend played by uh, Robert Lowery, who played Batman in the serial. So you technically got wow. to see Batman and Bruce Wayne, uh, I mean Batman and Superman in the same episode, but That's he wasn't cool. playing Batman. He was just playing a friend of Clark Kent. Uh, okay. But Robert Lowery was the last person to play Batman at that time of the George Reeves show. So it's kind of you can kind of see it that way. So 
Okay. We can go into that in a future deep dive. We're definitely That's cool. going into, I've been watching a few of the George Reeves Superman things, and I know Andrew has too, so we'll eventually cover that later. But, you know, we got Soul of the Dragon to talk about. But we anyway, uh, after the break, we're going to go into the rest of the uh, Kung Fu team with uh, the Bronze Tiger himself, Ben Turner, Lady Shiva, and then we're going to go into the villains. So, see you after the break. Need some adventure in your life? What Mad Universe is a podcast about the history of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, where we delve the depths of pop culture history. Everything's the same politically, but we have ray guns. The the actual motive isn't to explore something that's, quote, scientifically possible or... But neither is Star Wars, and I know there's arguments about that, but I would definitely consider Star Wars science fiction. You haven't read Dune! No, I haven't. You can never be the Kwisatz Haderach. What Mad Universe on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hawkman, thank you for coming to the Watchtower. Thank you, Batman. You know, me as an Egyptian, I find it great to just be here as the first actual real Egyptian here in the Watchtower. Do you have a Barbie here on which we could put prawns? We say prawns, not shrimp. Wait, wait a minute. You said you're the first Egyptian here? Yes, we Egyptians say prawns, and that's what we put on Barbies. Actually, Hawkman, that's not the thing that's tripping me up. Oh? You see, Egypt has a long history, and it usually doesn't consist of white blonde people who talk like Crocodile Dundee. I don't know who that is, but I do hate escalators. Anyway, I am 100% Egyptian, mate. Look at me, I'm a hawk. Kaka! There's a lot of hawks in Egypt, and we all talk like this. You don't know anything. It's just that... I usually don't care about this, but I don't want the Justice League to get in trouble for, you know. In trouble for what, mate? I don't know what the word for it is. It's not really cultural appropriation. What is the, what's the opposite of diversity? I want to talk about prawns again. We used to put prawns on the Barbie in our pyramids all the time. And we flushed our toilets opposite. Egypt is in the Southern Hemisphere, correct? Yes, it is, for sure. If you were from Egypt, you would know that. I 100% know that. I'm also pretty sure there are no Barbies in Egypt. Barbies is a doll, mate. You want a Barbie? Whatever the case is, I know Egyptians. I fight them most of the time because they work for Ross or Ghoul. I'm trying to fix that, but I just feel like you're a better fit for, I don't know, another universe. I'm not saying you can't be a flying superhero. What, Boomerang Man? Who's that boomerang bloke? Maybe, maybe him, maybe another, you know, like your features- Captain Boomerang, what a piece of shit. Who gives a fuck about him? Alright, well, since you care about boomerang so much, I hope you didn't mind what I based my battering off of. Well, artistically, you change it 20%, it's yours, mate. So good on ya. Thanks, Hawkman. So, I'll get out the Barbie on which I shall put prawns. On my pyramid. Hawkman, I know you reincarnate. It's just that a few things haven't been adding up. I've re- reincarnated as in this form. Of course. Of course I knew I reincarnated. Yes, but you reincarnate every few decades. You died like last week as an Egyptian man. I don't think reincarnation works that way. Also, the last Hawkman didn't say anything about shrimps on the Barbie. So, uh... uh it's prawns, but okay. Prawns on the Barbie. Either way, you're not Hawkman. Oh, but can I just be for today? I just love going caca for a fake Hawkman. Crikey, 
he cooked some really great prawns. There you go. Ah, this is good Tucker. All right, everybody, if you like that sketch right there, we have that plus news, plus we're bringing back some opinion pieces and uh, review type stuff and all kinds of stuff in our $5 tier on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. And if you become part of the $5 tier, you can see these new bonus episodes. Basically, consider it Superhouse DLC. Oh! You're listening to Superhero Stuff You Should Know, brought to you by Superhouse Podcast Network. And welcome back to Nanda Parbat, where we will continue our training into <laughs> the mind of the bat and his training. The mind so. of the bat, the soul of the dragon, the, dragon. the spirit of the mongoose. <laughs> and the spirit of the tiger, because we're about to talk about the bronze tiger himself, oh, Ben Turner. Oh, shit, it's called a segue. Yep. So, Ben Turner is voiced by Michael J. White, who is the only actor among these who has played this role in live action. That's, so, that's right. He's only Michael that J. White. shit. Yep. He played Ben Turner in season three of Arrow, and as a deep dive, they brought him back in season seven when Oliver Queen was in prison and had Ben Turner help out Oliver Queen in escaping and uh, become pretty much his ally throughout the rest of the season. So that was pretty cool. Okay. Uh, Michael J. White is no stranger to the comic book world. His first foray into it, of course, was when he was Spawn. Straight uh, up Spawn, back in the everybody. 90s. Yep. My second uh, DVD ever. <laughs> My first one was Austin Powers. Of course. <laughs> As you do, because it was 1997 or whatever the fuck it was. Yes. <laughs> my first was still my first was the as I said before the Donner cut of Superman yeah. the movie yeah. uh, but the other one the other one better was choices Tim Burton. than mine yeah well the other one was Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes so maybe not oh. <laughs> but yeah. I mainly wanted it because there was a score only uh, thing on there so I could listen to Danny Elfman's score without any of the the movie in it so that's kind of one of the things I liked about that. I, I think saw that time. movie in the theater, and I don't remember a single <laughs> thing about it. I don't remember well, a single frame of that movie. But I'm pretty sure I saw it. I definitely do. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you for wish, better or worse. You wish you hadn't. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason why it was forgotten compared to the Charlton Heston series in the beginning and the you know Matt Reeves take later on. People kind of forget the Planet of the Apes movie in between or yeah. try to deny that it happened. Uh, but yeah, let's see, right. Michael J. White. Of course, we talked about him earlier in our Dark Knight deep dives because he was Gamble in the Dark yeah. Knight. Um, Enough with the clown. Enough with the clown. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, for what he was, you know, he only had like two scenes in it, but apparently there was going to be more. Uh, when they interviewed him for Soul of the Dragon, he even gave a little bit more where he said, "quote I think maybe the bookend of where Gamble was supposed to go went to the cutting room floor." Okay. So. Maybe there was another scene with him with, like, scars on his cheeks. I don't know. But that's, uh, it seemed hinted that Michael J. White did another scene that we didn't get to see okay. in The Dark Knight. Uh, also, he has an uncredited role as an extra in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. So what? I thought that was relevant since uh, you and Wolfie did that deep dive. I don't remember him telling it. me this. What, what was he? Uh, he was a, what did he do in that? He, he was an extra, apparently. Okay. Uh, the background of it, I'm sure. Actually, let me just type it in just to see if I can find a picture of it because I mean, it he is... seems to be into martial arts, so maybe he was into stunts at that time. I don't know. Well, he seems maybe young. Oh wait, no, that's not him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in. He's in the background with a black leather jacket and a red shirt. <laughs> 
when okay. he's uh yeah you guys can look at just look up michael j white teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 and you'll find uh, pictures of him and okay. his cameo there so that's cool uh but he also outside of live action has done a lot of voice work so he was the voice of doomsday in the dc animated universe oh shit uh in the justice league uh and justice league unlimited episode so that's cool um he was also the voice of the tattooed man in batman the brave and the bold and uh, the voice of the John Stewart Green Lantern in the video game Justice League Heroes. So he's this guy in the mix with DC. Yeah, he's, he's sure. mostly in the mix of yeah, pretty much with DC plus Spawn and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but mostly DC. People forget about there. Spawn, and like it's not the best movie ever, but you know, there's still like a lot all right with. It. You ever seen it? Yeah, a long time ago. I'm not too familiar with the combo character, so I was just like, eh, it's all right, but I don't know anything about like where he comes from or had, why people it, might not have liked this. It had good effects, and like the suit was good, and the suit looked great. They didn't, yeah, yeah the suit Especially was great, right? It, and like it, it didn't. They didn't cast a white dude, <laughs> which is good. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. Um, which they easily could have, considering that he's in, he's done up the whole time. I know. I, I mean, it was just. I mean. It's rare even now in 2021, but it was, you know, kind of on the rare, pretty rare side, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had Blade in 98, but, you know, it was still on the rare side for sure. Yeah, I think everybody yeah. can agree with that. So it was it was cool, and um, I don't know. Yeah, Spawn was okay. It was okay. Yeah. That's, that's all yeah. I'm trying to say. <laughs> apparently, I thought I was wanting to say more, but that's it. <laughs> apparently, Michael J. White asked Todd McFarlane, like, hey, what are your thoughts on, like, another Spawn movie? And Todd McFarlane's like, well, I'm thinking it's going to be something like a horror movie where you like you barely see him and he only Bro. pops up his, he keeps and talking Michael about it he's like Jaws you see him for yeah. like two seconds in an hour and a half long movie yeah it's like dude and Michael J. White's like alright well good luck with that good luck <laughs> like, with that are you fucking kidding me how about you get that exact same suit with a new script where it's a lot of shitload of spawn that's all you really need you just need Michael J. like you don't even need to recast honestly he's still in fantastic shape he is that's that's true he isn't he's in killer just, shape like it's just do a reboot movie don't worry about if anybody's seen the first one or not. Just make it stand alone. And if anybody who's a fan of the first movie wants to see it as a sequel, cool. If you don't, then that's cool too. But I mean, Mortal anyway. when Mortal Kombat comes out, they're going to show it once again that R-rated nerd shit is perfectly fine. I mean, Deadpool's yes. already proved it twice. But if you need the more... The Wolverine movies, yeah. The Wolverine, Logan, you know, Logan, like, yeah. fucking A. Like, just make it rated R, guys, and it'll yeah. be fine. It's, it's made for that. Pretty much. So... So let's see. As I said, Ben Turner was O-Sensei's student before Richard Dragon arrived. However, he had a little bit more. There's a little bit more backstory. Apparently, he killed his first man when he was 10 years old. Uh, <laughs> a burglar broke into the house, and he, as a 10-year-old, defended his family and killed the man. So they were like, this is a problem. And so they enrolled him to into uh, martial arts so he could get his, uh, I guess, that anger out yeah. um, and deal with that. So, so the anger's always been part of his uh, whole deal? That, I'd say that seems to be pretty true. Uh, now, for his origin story of the Bronze Tiger, it's very different from what we saw in the movie. In the movie, it's mainly like that's the name that he got through reputation when he was hunting after Cobra. However, in the comics, he, as part of his he was part of good for a while, as I talked about, but he was kind of an international spy. And at one point, he ends up going undercover in the League of Assassins. Okay. And there he got brainwashed into becoming the Bronze Tiger. And that's where they give him the claws. And they actually give him, and this is not seen in the movie or in Arrow, but they actually give him a full-on tiger costume uh, in the in the comics. Uh, and his first, I think his debut in that costume is in the same issue where he meets Batman. So, okay. 
Detective Comics 485, also written by Denny O'Neill, with art by Don Newton, and a story called The Vengeance Vow, where the League of Assassins attack Batman and the original Batwoman herself, Kathy Kane. Can, okay, I want to ask you about about Denny O'Neill real quick. <clears throat> sure. His so you've read a few of his comics, I assume. A lot of his comics. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, of his, his comics, comics. Are the the classic 1970s stuff. I haven't really read the Richard Dragon Bronze Tiger stuff outside of okay. the Batman related ones because those are hard for to find. So sell sell like a, a a plebeian such as myself on Denny O'Neill's right. Batman. What makes him good? What is he? Does he write sure, like a sure, smart? Sure. Is he smart Batman? It's not like Frank Miller where he's always a badass. He's like a smarter thinking man's Batman. Or it's well, like a, okay, so it's like a 70s Scorsese thriller kind of Batman. Like what? <laughs> what is what is Denny O'Neill? bring to the uh Denny O'Neill basically rebooted Batman the way that people see Nolan rebooting Batman for the movies so in the 1960s of course the big image of Batman was Adam West and there was a lot yeah. of ridiculousness you still had vestiges of um you know the camp in there and then when the 70s came around they're like let's bring this back to the roots of the character so Denny O'Neill comes in and he teams up with Neil Adams of course and Neil Adams creates that classic blue and gray look where he's a little bit more he looks a little bit more of an athlete yeah. uh and uh, the cape of course the cape as i've said in past podcasts inspired by how christopher lee in the dracula movies moved his cape or whatever right right uh, the so ha- hammer there. films or something hammer yeah. horror uh dick grayson goes to college at the end of the 1960s and so bruce is on his own in a penthouse uh and bruce in the denny o'neill comics is basically back to being the brooding avenger type he's not quite as hardcore as the frank miller one so occasionally the best way i can describe it is actually he's kind of like the val kilmer batman where he's like somewhat serious but not above having a sarcastic wry comment every now That's and then That's interesting take okay uh yeah some people might object to that but to me i'm just like yeah it's pretty much the same type uh, kind of there. like so, a detached aloofness to him as well. Pretty much, yeah. 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 So uh, then he, as I talked about in the Strange Apparitions uh, deep dive, we talked about how the Joker for a while wasn't killing anybody. You know, okay. he wasn't killing. He was a prankster. He killed people <laughs> in the beginning, but he was a prankster for a while. He was, he was pulling down Romero. their pants and showing everybody yeah. their boxes or some shit. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so. When we got to the 70s, Denny O'Neill not only brought back, hey, he's killing people, again, like he did Batman number one, but he also established that Joker was more of a lunatic, that Joker didn't have a pattern that made sense. He couldn't, he wasn't just out for revenge or money or things like that. So we get a little bit of the true crime serial killer DNA thrown back into A the little Joker. bit of it, a little bit of it, yeah. yeah. So we get that, and then also... You've got the element of he's the guy who creates Ra's al Ghul and Talia. Oh yeah. So right. we've have we now have the international. We have a new villain, um, which is really tough to do. You know, like very few Batman villains these days have stuck. Uh, basically, you got Hush and Court of Owls is like probably the biggest ones who That's have stuck true. around. That's true. In the past uh, couple decades, but uh, you know, Ra's al Ghul is a major character. In the Batman mythos, uh, you got Talia in there. We've got all, basically we have a whole bunch of other elements. I'm sure there's other things that I'm overlooking, but just an overview. That's why Denny O'Neill is such a big factor into the Batman series, and of course he later on became an editor for DC Comics and for the Batman line, where he approved a lot of the other storylines that we've talked about. So, okay, Death and Family, Nightfall, No Man's Land, all those things. He had a contributing. He was a contributing force in that, as well as a big force in. 
uh, Azrael and the whole Nightfall thing. So oh, okay, it's uh, he's a huge he's a huge part of the Batman mythos. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, um, does left wing so, politics ever show up that much <laughs> in the stories? Not so much the Batman ones, mostly in the Green Lantern. So what Andrew's referring Green to Arrow, is that he right? did he did the hard traveling heroes story arc, which was Green Arrow and Green Lantern, not necessarily going on big superhero adventures, but encountering real world, uh, real world situations, things like Roy Harper being a drug addict things like uh, gentrification, like all these sorts of things, and fighting that as opposed to like big aliens coming down to invade the Earth, those sorts yeah. of things. Yeah, it's like a superhero road trip, right, that, that run. Pretty much, pretty yeah. much. I'm, I'm surprised that they never really did a version of that in uh, Arrow because that would have been... Oh, uh, yeah. That seemed primed uh, for an adaptation, but anyway. Uh, Who are we when, to even yeah. suggest stuff to HBO <laughs> Max? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, Denny O'Neill, of course, introduces the Bronze Tiger into the Batman stories where he's involved in the murder of Kathy Kane, uh, the original Batwoman. This was later retconned by Grant Morrison as a fake-out, but in the 70s, it was for real. Batwoman gets killed by the League of Assassins, and Bronze Tiger kicks Batman's ass. So Batman's pride not only is hurt, but also one of his former allies is murdered in front of him. So. Right. Batman basically hunts down, that's why it's called the Vengeance Vow, hunts down the people responsible, but also figures out that Ben Turner, a.k.a. Bronze Tiger, was brainwashed. And so he helps out. Bronze Tiger is eventually brought back into who he was before, but because of his sins committed as the Bronze Tiger for the League of Assassins, he has to atone for them, and that's when he enrolls in the Suicide Squad. <laughs> so he's a, he's a major character in the Suicide Squad stuff that's why he became a suicide squad member in the arrow tv show and also why some people i think speculated that idris elba was playing bronze tiger even though he's not now as we discovered but they presumed that maybe he was playing bronze tiger in the james gunn upcoming uh suicide squad movie he's not bronze tiger's not not in that at all right no not at all yeah right so maybe another one uh, but it, it's hard to find to think of anybody else who would be more perfect for it than Michael J. White. Is honestly. Bronze Tiger with the uh, with the claws? Is that is that older than Wolverine? Do you know? Because Wolverine's uh, not all that old of a character, right? It's like seventies or something. It would have been around the same time. Like there's a run. The same time, I yeah. haven't read the whole thing, but there's a run where the the original X Men team meet the newer X Men team, and they're like who the fuck is that guy? And they're talking mm-hmm. about Wolverine. They don't know who the fuck he is because he, he comes in later. He's, he's yeah. a later addition. So, um, yeah. Anyway, I don't know why I went on uh, that. But I mean, I, he, like, first, he has like shorter claws than Wolverine. And I don't know. I, was, I, w- I, was I would wondering. say Wolverine. Wolverine came out in 1974 for Bronze Tiger. We're looking closer to the later 70s. I later 70s. Okay. They're uh, around the same time. It would be later. So, because like 1975 is when Bronze, when Ben Turner first showed up, but that wasn't when the Vengeance Val was uh was written that wasn't when he first showed up in the costume so we're looking at i'm looking it up right now 1979 was the vengeance vow so yeah it was wolverine came out first okay marvel got him this time yeah but also the claws weren't the main part they weren't they weren't i know it's not yeah i know it was the whole costume was the whole getup nobody Uh, has powers in this whole thing except for the one the villain in soul of the dragon right 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 yeah Lady Shiva, no powers. No powers. They're just okay. all fantastic Badasses. martial artists. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so just like how Richard Dragon looks like Bruce Lee, Ben Turner's design seems to be based off of Jim Kelly, who was the uh, the African American martial artist in Enter the Dragon. Uh, oh yeah, that's yeah. right. 
Yeah. That's right. He's yeah. the one who orders. Uh, they're just like, you can pick one woman for the night. And he's like, I pick you, 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 and you. Sorry, I didn't pick more, but I'm a little tired. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's in the Bruce Lee movie? That is in Enter the Dragon. Yeah. Enter the Dragon. God, I saw that, man. I saw that like in high school. It's, it, I never it's, rewatched it. It's in. It's on Netflix. I actually rewatched it before Soul of the Dragon, which was partially a mistake because it's such a damn classic that Soul yeah. of the Dragon just doesn't live up to it. But. Uh, it is. <laughs> he fucked up on that one. Yeah, I should have wait. I should have watched it afterwards. But still, like it, it is a classic. It is fantastic. It's it's great to, especially as a Chinese American, for me to now knowing the significance of Bruce Lee and everything, as well as you know knowing martial arts stuff. Is it, it? I see it a lot differently than I did when I was like twelve and didn't know as much about stuff. It's just the importance of uh, what uh, Asians on film basically. Yeah, cuz it's it's basically a James Bond movie but with Bruce Lee instead of James Bond. Right. And right. he's he's the star of the show, not the white dude played by John yeah. Saxon. He's the actual hero. He's the one who kicks everyone's asses. There's the, like, the white dude just helps him. There's there's like conversations with Chuck Norris or something. Mm-hmm. Chuck Norris is like well, I should win this fight. And then Bruce Lee was like, no, I, I'm going to be winning this fight in, in my movie. <laughs> you know, there's like, <laughs> I just, yeah, it's awesome, man. I mean, he kicked ass on and off screen, you know? Yeah. I always felt that Chuck Norris memes are basically rendered obsolete once you look at that movie where he basically gets killed by Bruce Lee. I'm like, clearly Bruce Lee should be the one that these are about, not Chuck Norris, but. Yeah, I mean, it's it's whatever. Bruce Lee's movie. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know. Chuck, yeah. Chuck Norris was. Probably being a white guy at that time, he wasn't. He honestly just wasn't used to that shit. He didn't yeah. know. He didn't know how to. He didn't know how to process it. Yeah, you know, yeah. pro- probably. I don't know. I'm yeah. just imagining. Bruce Lee just flat out kills him in the Coliseum in that movie. Yeah. So yeah. Like, All right. <laughs> yeah. He's clearly the winner. Yeah. Um, so he's partially based off of Jim Kelly, Richard. J., I mean, uh, Richard J. White, <laughs> Michael J. White, uh, said that he looked at uh, a movie called Three the Hard Way, which also is uh, basically the '70s was also a period for the genre called black exploitation. I did not make that up. Black exploitation exploitation is a, is a yeah. film genre name. It's a yes. film genre. That's where Shaft comes in. That's where uh, it was. It was basically black lead characters, and you let them do their thing in like an action movie or a crime thriller like Shaft or, or those types of things. So uh, uh, the J. Quentin White. Tarantino movie is. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Ja- Jackie Brown is Quentin Tarantino making his own black exploitation yeah, movie. Yeah, because she was in Foxy which, Brown. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a whole era of cinema. I don't mm-hmm. know a shitload about it, but <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. you know, it's yeah. a thing. Uh, let's see. He also looked at others, so Fred Williamson, Jim Brown, but he acknowledged that Jim Kelly was like the main influence on this version of uh, Ben Turner, and Jim Kelly was in a movie called Black Samurai, which is the nickname that Richard Dragon thinks that Ben Turner was called. So oh, right, that's right, that's actually right. a reference to a real movie. Jim Kelly. That's was cool. In, in the that's movie. cool. Uh, let's see. Ben Turner was shown to be part of Bruce's training in Batman the Brave and the Bold. Uh, he was shown as a fellow student in the episode Return of the Fearsome Fangs, voiced by Gary Sturgis. Uh, there, he wasn't... He and Bruce weren't under training from the O-Sensei. They were under uh, Master Wong Fei, who I believe is a reference to the real-life Chinese martial artist Wong Fei Hung, who is uh, played by Jet Li in the Once Upon a Time in China movies. That's uh, cool. Legendary uh, martial artist. But anyway, they... Uh, you seen Jet Li lately? You seen those pictures? Uh, I have, but he seemed to look okay in the Mulan movie, so... 
Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. I guess he's gotten over it. But yeah, there was a I don't know, maybe it's just tabloid shit, but yeah, he just yeah. wasn't looking good for a moment there. Yeah, yeah. Uh I don't know, maybe he just hadn't had his coffee yet. Like it's it might have been just two terrible pictures. Which is <laughs> yeah. probably what happened. I mean, he's only been yeah. working out a shitload his whole fucking yeah, life. Yeah, no, it probably yeah, that probably you know? kills you a little later. But anyway, um <laughs> in fearsome fangs uh bruce and ben selected their own animal mass their own animal totems and naturally bruce selected the bat and ben selected the tiger uh and they were also students with the future terrible trio who are these guys with animal masks who commit crimes but anyway uh that was the main instance of bronze tiger and batman having a similar martial arts background um and then again, the actor voicing it was Gary Sturgis, who also voiced him in Arkham Origins Blackgate, which is a sort of spin-off little mini game uh, DLC tie-in yeah. uh, with Arkham Origins. Yeah. Uh, we've also seen Ben Turner in, here's my little list here, Justice League Gods and Monsters, voiced by Arif S. Kinshin, uh, Suicide Squad Hell to Pay, voiced by Billy Brown, Deathstroke Knights and Dragons, which has Michael Chiklis as uh, Slade Wilson. Uh, and he's voiced by Delbert Hunt. Ben Turner is voiced by Delbert Hunt. Uh, and then in video games, he was in Lego Batman 3, Beyond Gotham, voiced by Aika Amadi, and in Lego DC Supervillains, voiced by Kane Jungbluth Murray. So apologies if I butchered anybody's name on there, but uh, this is a character who's been in a lot of shit, is is what I'm saying. Yeah, he's and been around. It's, it's nice to see him get more and more roles and more recognition. Let's see. And then, finally, out of the four, we have Lady Shiva, probably the deadliest of all of them. Stone cold bitch, as Andrew yeah, said. Yeah, she and was proud of one it. of my favorites, yeah. for sure, just because, I don't know, she just showed more personality. I don't know. Just that scene of her, like, being real real stone cold was awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then, and I, you know, obviously, she, she was, like, badass at fighting and... This was rated R, right? Like there was yeah, like, it was. The, the the moves to the throat and shit. When she like, got when it comes away and it's all bloody and the guy's dying, <laughs> I was yeah, like, oh man. shit, yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, Shiva, Shiva was fantastic in this. We of course talked about Shiva a little bit in our training timeline episode, as well as in our episode with Zach, uh, called of uh, Batman Legacy, because she was involved in the whole storyline to help fight Rosal Ghoul, uh, who was trying to unleash a, a deadly virus around the world. So anyway. Lady Shiva in this was voiced by another actress who is pitch perfect for this role, which is who is Kelly Hugh. Uh, Kelly Hugh has voiced Shiva before in Arkham Origins as well as the video game Arkham oh, Origins yeah. I Initiation. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Arkham Origins Initiation specifically has the Arkham Bruce Wayne uh, undergoing training with Master Karigi, uh, and Shiva is sort of like one of the mini bosses in there, and that's supposedly Bruce's first meeting with her. So that's kind of the only time we've seen Shiva as part of, of uh, Bruce's training before he becomes Batman. Um, but as I said, this was with Master Karigi and not with the O-Sensei. Okay. Uh, apparently she... I don't know if everyone else did it, but she, in an interview, said that she did this over Zoom. Her voice performance is done during the pandemic. Uh, for wow. This one. So that's cool. Um, she's also famous for other comic book roles she was Lady Deathstrike in X-Men 2 X-Men United of course that was one of the first times that a lot of people saw her Um, she wasn't uh, featured all that well in that she had like one line yeah 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 Um, she also played the character China White in Arrow Uh, that is a real green Arrow villain I did not make that up (laughs) (laughs) She teams up with Egg Fu. Uh, no, her her full name is supposed to be Chin Ya Wei, but white people 
shorten it to China White, and also she's involved with like <laughs> oh, drugs okay. and shit. So like that's so the there's something good it's there. It's her actual name is not China White, but that's it's it's supposed to be okay. It's, it's from the it. Green Arrow Year One comic, but anyway. I mean, she, it sounds like a wrestler name, you know? Like, <laughs> was there one called China or something? Yeah, there was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she yeah she was basically in all, maybe not every single season, but she was she's been in there from the beginning. She was in Arrow season one, and she was there in like one of the second to last episodes. So. She's been around a lot, uh, and uh, as I said, she was Lady Shiva in the Arkham Origin stuff, but she was also in a previous Batman movie we covered, Under the Red Hood. She was the voice of Black Mask's assistant, Miss Lee, and oh, I think, like, the only female character in the whole movie. <laughs> but Yeah, probably. There's a lot of dudes in that, now that you mention yeah, it. pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, the comic book Lady Shiva, her full name is not Shiva anything, actually. It's Sandra Wusen. Uh Sandra and her sister, Carolyn, uh, were growing up, and Carolyn was murdered. And uh, she decided to join Osensei to learn martial arts and get her revenge, and that's when she named herself Shiva after the Hindu god of destruction. Okay, uh, I was wondering that. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. At one point, Shiva was tricked into thinking that Richard Dragon was the one who killed her sister, and so ended up fighting him for a little bit until they found out that he was framed, of course, and so obviously they became allies and teamed up against uh, the people who tried to frame him. Uh, it would later turn out, much later on, that her sister was killed by David Kane, the man who's the father of Cassandra Kane. We covered him in the No Man's Land deep dive as well as the training deep dive, and when she discovered him, uh, the League of Assassins, this is really fucked up, but they agreed to spare her, provided that she would bear David's child. So when was this written? I would want to say two thousands or so. <laughs> but they're it's, villains, though. They're villains. It's supposed to yeah. be fucked up, but that's yeah, that yeah, child, yeah. of course, would turn into Cassandra Kane. So that's kind of the origin of Cassandra Kane and why you know Lady Shiva would even have a child with David Kane in there. Uh, I would prefer it if they were just a assassin couple. I don't know why we need this whole rape thing in there, but you need to have <laughs> darkness, Ben. <sighs> Darkness. No I parents. wrote that. Zack Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Zack Snyder may have had Superman snapping somebody's neck, but he did not have anybody raping anybody. That's true. You know, we'll get to that later. We'll g- <laughs> or we, we already have gotten to that. <laughs> We've gotten to it many, many times. Um, Shiva you brought up Man of Steel this time. <laughs> Shiva also helped Bruce get back into shape in the Nightfall storyline. His back was broken by Bane, and he needed to retake the mantle from the hairdresser, so John Paul So she's the Valley. one that just kicks him in the back <laughs> while he's uh, strung up in the fucking pit? That, that's, that was not in the comics, no. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Is that so? No, not... Yes, that was... Uh, <laughs> believe it or not, believe it, it or not... your brain even hearing that. The, the realistic Nolan movie tried to solve it that way, whereas in the comic... <laughs> I mean, in the comic, it wasn't that much better. They were was, expediting shit left and right his, in Dark Knight Rises. His, his ex-girlfriend helps heal like, over healing powers. But anyway, like, Shiva basically helps... After his back is repaired, Shiva helps him get back into shape. That dude had a magical foot in <laughs> Dark Knight Rises. That's how we... We're just going to explain it that way. Probably. He kicks him. Yeah, Boom. Back healed. <laughs> oh, man. Now teleport to Gotham, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been an explanation, at least. <laughs> uh, Lady Shiva has been in a ton of adaptations. The first one, this is a little-known fact, was in the BBC radio drama adaptation of Nightfall. 
She was voiced Lady by Lady Shiva. Laura, shows up in that, huh? Laura Lay Laura Le- King was the voice of Lady Shiva because they stayed pretty damn true to the original comic book arc uh, in that radio drama for Nightfall. So that was cool. Uh, and the big co-star, I mean, she didn't share scenes with him, but the big co-star in the BBC radio drama was Michael Goff. Michael Goff would reprise his role as Alfred from the Tim Burton That's Schumacher cool. movies to voice Alfred in the BBC radio dramas. So. That was awesome. Uh, she's only been in live action once, and that was in the 2002-2003 Birds of Prey TV show. We keep talking about that. Christopher Balaha, the man who was raped in Wonder Woman 1984, was from Birds of Prey, and so <laughs> is Lady Shiva. I'm sorry. I knew we said we wouldn't bring it up, but we had to uh, because it's relevant. And uh, anyway, Lady Shiva. Oh, shit. It feels weird to laugh after comments about rape, but it was... <laughs> It's about the it's fucking call, show. It's yeah. call back to our show, yeah. So to anyway, the show, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sung Hee Lee played uh, Lady Shiva, but this version of Shiva was a masked thief, and her younger sister was killed in an explosion in sort of a crossfire between Lady Shiva and Batgirl. So this is the Birds of Prey show. This is the, the storyline in that show. Yeah. So in this version, Lady Shiva wanted revenge on Barbara Gordon for the death of her sister, even though it was wasn't that show really ever any good? It was. It was ahead of its time, honestly. In terms it was a of CW it show before CW, basically. Before CW, yeah. It, it, and it was, like, I've... It is a product of its time in the 2000s, but also, like, I feel like it would have taken off a lot better in this day and age where, right. you know, female superheroes are a bigger thing than it was back in 2003. And, you know, we already got... It's basically the precursor to Batwoman. Batwoman's a similar show where there's no Batman, but it is about, like... You know, female empowerment uh, in there. Uh, I would say Birds of Prey is probably truer to uh, the comics in terms of having more comic book related characters or bigger comic book related characters uh, in some way. But, uh, you know, if you disagree with me, let me know in the comments. Anyway, fight us. Fight us, yes. Uh, <laughs> Lady Shiva was also <laughs> supposed to show up in uh, one of the episodes of Gotham as uh, taking over Chinatown when uh, everything went towards no man's land in Gotham but for whatever reason it was never shot or it was cut from the episode um, let's see other versions of her she's been in Beware the Batman voiced by Finola Hughes which is weird because Finola Hughes is British uh, British oh, yeah. <laughs> white um, Young Justice super, super white <laughs> yeah Young Justice voiced by Gwendolyn Yao uh, DC Superhero Girls voiced by Tanya Gunati and Deathstroke Knights and Dragons by Ponta Mosley uh, in animated films, she had a cameo in Superman Batman Public Enemies, voiced by Rachel McFarlane, sister to Seth McFarlane. That's weird. Wow. Um, she, Bat- has an in, she has an in, though, I guess. <laughs> yeah. you know. um, she was in Batman Hush and Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, voiced by uh, Sashi Alessio. And in video games, she was in DC Universe Online, uh, voiced by D.B. Cooper, and Lego DC Supervillains, voiced by Sumali Montano, who also played katana in beware the batman so you know what she's been I'm, a lot of now, stuff now that you say all that i do think we need we need shiva we need katana and we need richard dragon in um injustice and the reason i laugh is because injustice is made by the people that make mortal Kombat, <laughs> and like it's just like Liu kang pretty much but mm-hmm. i mean he doesn't have the firepowers i guess but Mm-hmm. I don't know. Give him a little something since he's in the Injustice timeline, maybe. Gotcha, but yeah. Need to need to have like, you know, it's Injustice is basically Elseworlds, so mm-hmm. they could do it. And I don't know. I I think they do need those characters, man. There's rumors so. that fucking Neo from Matrix is gonna be in that shit. But anyway, I mean, if you're gonna include Neo, you might as well include 
actual characters from your universe. I know, you, I know. I know. Before you bring in these outsiders. I know, Jesus man. Jesus Christ. I know. They always do that in those games. And, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Moving on. Just bring in Constantine or something. That would be sweet, actually. They did have fucking uh, Doctor... Did they have Doctor Fate? Yeah, I think they did have Doctor Fate in Injustice 2. See? Yeah. Like, do your actual... De- like, you have plenty of characters. You don't need to bring in other characters from stuff. As much as I like the Matrix and Neo, like, you don't need to bring him into DC Universe. I know, I know. Also, fucking Mattson Tomlin seems to love the fuck out of some Matrix. You see him on Twitter? <laughs> I think the I cur- saw a couple. I saw the writers that he posted. The writer of the Batman, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Mattson Tomlin, he posts a lot about the Matrix. Um, yeah, he loves it. I mean, we all love it. Who yeah. doesn't love it? Yeah, we loved it so much. We talked about it in the Wonder Woman. We uh, about a twenty-minute detour <laughs> of that shit. Yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure I don't, the listeners are like, yeah, I can listen to some Matrix yeah, talk yeah, real quick. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm Same mad. crossover. I'd like yeah. to think so. I think so too. But yeah. let us know in the comments if you disagree. Yeah. Um, let's see. Lady Shiva's sword. Now this is interesting. She is given the Soul Breaker sword as crafted by Murumasa. Now, this appears to be from the same family of swords as the Soul Taker sword wielded by Katana. Katana wields the Soul Taker. Uh, as ascribed in Suicide Squad by Joel Kinnaman's Rick Flagg, where he's like, I suggest that you don't piss her off. Uh, that line is made fun of all the time in the internet. But anyway, um, O-Sensei says that it comes from Muramasa, who in the, in the comics is said to have crafted the Soul Taker. And to my surprise, as I looked it out, Muramasa is a real li- was a real-life swordsmith in Japan. They didn't just make up some sort of guy yeah. in the DC universe. He was, actually, he was a real um, swordsmith in Japanese yeah. history. So he apparently came up with the Soul Taker and, as of this movie, the Soul Breaker. So that's cool. And, uh, yeah, that's Shiva. So Katana was my favorite part of Suicide Squad, I think. I, I could do it yeah. for a Katana movie. They underused her. Honestly, the, I think the, the most fleshed-out Katana is in Beware the Batman, where she's basically his protege. I need to see more of that. Yeah, need, she's basically his a- protege. She, there's no Robin. It's Katana. That's cool. I mean, dude, that's awesome. I yeah. think there. Yeah, I could. I could definitely do for some more katana. The soul yeah. and the blade, or whatever. Her husband, or somebody's yeah, in the blade, yeah. or something. Yeah, that yeah. that's honestly sticks to, with me the most. Although, look, I've been studying Japanese for over ten years, so I, I guess I, I'm just gonna be that guy for a second. <laughs> her Japanese was terrible in that movie. <laughs> her Japanese was her. Maybe she didn't have the dialect coach or something, uh-huh. but. Me and my wife Yuka, we were watching it, and we just laughed in the theater. Like, this is this is bad. But um, but not everybody studies Japanese, so I get I, it. Yeah, hundred percent get it. Yeah, yeah. No, one of the best parts in Beware the Batman is when Bruce takes her to a restaurant, and he basically is like, "What do you see?" And then she's like, "Well, I just see that guy, that guy." And then he goes into like his mind of everything that he observes in like a Sherlock Holmes sequence of nice. that. And I'm just like, "This is fantastic. This is the world's greatest detective, Batman." But in like a new environment, because you never saw that in Batman the Animated Series. Not, so, not much, huh? Yeah. Yeah, not yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh you didn't really see a lot of training stuff in general with him training uh Dick or Tim or, or Barbara. There was just a few sparring scenes and that's it. And then the you got the, the fucking what jujitsu scenes in Phantasm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh let's see. Now the O Sensei. So the O Sensei is voiced by James Hong, who was notably the villain in Big Trouble in Little China, which is kind of emulated. Uh, a little bit. Uh, this is the first time that this character is shown to be training Batman. He is a DC Comics character. He did train Richard Dragon and Ben Turner and Lady Shiva, uh, but this is the first time that we've seen that. 
not covered in the movie is that Osensei is uh, over 150 years old. Okay. He has access to decelerated aging somehow. I don't know how. But uh, okay, I, I th- they could explain it in any number of ways, but the way I read this is, it's a kung fu technique. Yeah, pretty much. You've learned breathing techniques. He's you do it. His chi. <laughs> you met. Yeah, you master your chi, and mm-hmm. he's made the energy flow so well that he lives longer than anybody. You know, probably. You, yeah, it takes forever to learn it. I don't know. It's just stuff like that. Like we talked in the training episode, like mm-hmm. these kind of non martial art, non fighting martial arts techniques uh, kung fu magic kind of stuff that's in yeah. this mythology a lot of the time Pretty which much. i love i could do for more i yeah. can't wait for shang chi to come out mm-hmm. uh just you know more of that i think it's called and i could be pronouncing it wrong but wuxia martial arts fantasy mm-hmm. it's a whole Pretty genre much. yeah it is bruce lee supposedly liked wuxia comics yeah uh, but that's where crouching you know. tiger hidden dragon comes from all that shit mulan the live action mulan was trying to emulate that you know, depending on your opinion on that, <laughs> I didn't think that they yeah, needed yeah. that element at all. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the in the comics, the Osensei is a thin, bald, clean-shaven man. The one in the movie with a beard seems like he's designed based off of Master Po from Kung Fu, uh, who basically looks almost the same, except Master Po in Kung Fu, uh, the TV series Kung Fu, uh, played by Key Look, uh, except that master is blind. Uh, in the TV show, but he has he. If you look up uh, Key Luke Master Po Kung Fu or whatever in Google, look him up. He looks exactly like the O Sensei in uh, Soul of the Dragon, and I think again that's deliberate because we're talking about 1970s, um, like a bearded old dude, bearded you know, old like, Chinese like, dude, yeah, like like Pai Mei, you know, like I don't know. It's just kind of like a it's a trope. Yeah, it's, it's a, a trope. trope, but I think this is specifically based off of that. Okay, version it's of too the close yeah. to even be a trope, huh? Yeah, like if, if you take a look at at that, it's he's pretty much exactly the same. Okay, okay except without the blindness. You. Yeah, I got you. Just okay. like Bruce Lee, I'm like it's kind of hard to argue that Richard Dragon's not based off of Bruce Lee, or Ben Turner's yeah, not he, based off of Jim Kelly in this, in this movie. He's Bruce Lee, yeah, for <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. So the origin story of the O Sensei is that he was a Japanese army captain in 1895, who for whatever reason faced a, a Chinese captive in combat. And so he, as the captain, was about to fight this guy when his superior officer, um, uh, not he was a superior officer, and, and one of his soldiers shot the guy he was supposed to fight. He basically cheated. Uh, and the captain, the future O-sensei, was horrified by this and felt like this was, you know, this was dishonorable, of course. Uh, and so to atone, he decided to take the dying man's place as a master of the martial arts of, of all these things that the guy was part of and, and basically take his place in life. So he learned the ancient disciplines. He learned the scriptures and everything. He became a master to the point of leaving his own wife for it. The, uh, the, the Kung Fu scriptures, the Buddhist texts. The yeah, all this. All Shaolin, the stuff that, all Shaolin the stuff scripture. The, yeah, so he is supposed to be a... It seems like he's supposed to be a Japanese man who takes on the Chinese martial arts ways. Uh, in okay. this, it, yeah. based off of this backstory, uh, yeah. so it does kind of. Once you put that into context, it's like okay, maybe it does make sense that he's the O Sensei of Kung Fu, even though Sensei is a that's Japanese interesting. Dude. That's uh, interesting. Okay. But maybe it's because he's O Sensei because he's Japanese, but it's still Kung Fu because he's still teaching Kung Fu. The style is Kung Fu. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, but he promised his wife years ago that uh, back when he did this that they would be one together with the sea. 
there would be one once more. And so his main encounter with Batman was in Detective Comics Annual Number 1, which covers this origin, and through the help of Batman, Green Arrow, The Question, and Lady Shiva, uh, the O-sensei gets to, quote-unquote, return to his wife in the sea when a typhoon washes him away, and they learn that years later his wife was lost at sea. So both the O-sensei and his wife are reunited in the afterlife in the sea, according to this Denny O'Neill comic. That's cool. That's kind of a nice little way to wrap things up on here. Uh, And then... There are other characters who surprised me in Nanda Parbat, who I was not, who I was not expecting at all in this. Uh, so you noted that there were pretty much six students before Bruce comes in uh, yeah. when he introduces him. One of whom is another female character who I was not expecting in this, who is Jade Wynn. Okay. Uh, Jade Wynn is voiced by Jamie Chung. She is killed pretty early on, um, unfortunately. Yeah. She's not usually part of the training park because Jade in the comics would not have been alive at this time. So Jade in the comics is actually a Teen Titans villain. Okay. Uh, so she would be a peer to Dick Grayson and, and all those. She's half French, half Vietnamese, first appearing in uh, Teen That's Titans cool. Annual number 3, and she's mostly a sort of anti-heroine love interest to Roy Harper, a.k.a. Speedy, a.k.a. Arsenal. Um, and her code name as a supervillain is Cheshire, as in Cheshire Cat. So she's kind of the Catwoman to uh, Roy Harper in a way. Okay. She's an expert martial artist, and she has poison fingernails. Okay, so slight powers, yeah. sort of there. Yeah. Okay. She's been adapted as well before. Uh, she was voiced by Tara Strong in Lego Batman Three: Beyond Gotham, and in DC Superhero Girls, voiced by Nika Futterman. Uh, but she was actually voiced by an Asian actress in Young Justice and its tie-in video game, Young Justice Legacy. And that Asian actress was Kelly Hugh. <laughs> so, oh, really? We okay. have a whole bunch of connections here with Jade okay. Wynn because apparently there's only one Asian American actress in Hollywood who could pull this <laughs> off. <laughs> there can only be one. <laughs> I can be only one. <laughs> I, it's good for her, I guess. But yeah, yeah, I guess so, yeah. She has cornered the Asian <laughs> woman market. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Okay. And then the other one is Rip Jagger, who at first I was just like, who the hell is this? Is this a play on Mick Jagger or something like that? But so, I mean, it sounds like what they're going for. Rip Jagger is actually not a play on Mick Jagger at all. Rip Jagger is an actual comic book character named the Judo Master in DC Comics. Is it the white dude? He's also a white dude. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. But he's, he's the white dude that go, that's evil he's the, in this one? Yeah, he's the white dude who turns on everybody, yeah. The bl- he blonde tur- hair, white, <laughs> blue eyes. Who would have yeah. known this blonde-haired white dude would turn on <laughs> all the people of color in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's cool, though. I mean, there's a lot of evil, evil white dudes out there. Uh, he's voiced by Chris Cox and turns out to be a Cobra agent. But in the comics, he's actually a superhero named judo okay. master who does spend some time in nanda parbat uh he i thought was this is funny he actually has a sidekick named tiger so maybe they thought there would be a nice uh, connection to bronze tiger there in them knowing each other or maybe it's a coincidence probably a coincidence i have a feeling it was basically like we want a couple other characters in nanda parbat who else is really good at martial arts in dc comics yeah then they looked it up on wiki and they're like judo master that guy and then they'll just take the name i don't think they, there's not really a lot to him. And, there, and there's some guy named Sportsmaster or some shit? Sportsmaster, yeah. Sportsmaster? I guess that's <laughs> different at least from in, Kung yeah. Fu. Yeah, that's different from yeah. it. Uh, but Judo Master was killed when his back was broken by Bane during Infinite Crisis, so I guess he couldn't handle the back breaking as much as Batman could. Uh, and I, I don't believe <laughs> he had any... So much of a master he can't handle <laughs> a guy with juiced up on Venom. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't believe he had any encounters with Batman. So uh, those are the martial arts students. Now let's go a little bit into the villains before we wrap. Uh, so Cobra is the villain in this. Cobra was actually created by Jack Kirby in 1976. Nice. Uh, the character of Jeffrey Burr was voiced by Josh Keaton. No relation to Michael Keaton. But Josh Keaton has played a whole bunch of comic characters. I can't even count them. Uh, or list them out here, but uh, just look them up on IMDb. You've probably heard them before if you've seen any superhero animated thing. Uh, Cobra <laughs> is uh, basically, it seems somewhat true, especially the outfit and everything. It's supposed to be a terrorist cult in it. Uh, one part that they don't cover, however, is that uh, Jeffrey actually has a twin brother. He's a set of Siamese twins. Uh, his twin brother, Jason Burr, uh, becomes Cobra later on, and it's Jason Burr who also... Uh, is a love interest for Katana in Beware the Batman. So that's actually my first exposure to okay. Cobra and the Burr family in here. Uh, he followers frequently address him as uh, Naha Naha, which later became Naga Naga. So that's because Naga is Sanskrit for snake. So that's why the god in this is called Naga. Uh, you know, yeah, you, I'm glad you looked that up. I, I actually was going to prepare a little something on that. Where the fuck is my safari, god Go damn ahead. it? Uh, oh my God. But yeah, okay. that's, why, that's why he's called Naga in this one. Naga. In yeah. Hinduism, Buddhism, and Jainism, the mm-hmm. Naga, uh, blah, 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 are divine, semi-divine deities or a semi-divine race of half-human, half-serpent beings that reside in the netherworld, a.k.a. what looks like Patala, could be pronouncing that wrong, mm-hmm. um, and can, can uh, occasionally take human form. Rituals devoted to these supernatural beings have been taking place throughout South Asia for at least 2,000 years. They are principally depicted... They are principally... (laughs) I can't fucking talk anymore. (laughs) Principally depicted in three forms. Holy human with snakes on the heads and the necks and necks. Common serpents or half-human, half-snake beings. A female naga is a nagi... And it goes on from there, but it seems mm-hmm. to be um, what originally Indian, yeah, Sanskrit, right? Uh, and then yeah. probably that part of Near East Asia. Uh, I don't know. I'm assuming Nepal. No, well, we got. Uh, it looks like there's traditions in Sri Lanka, Cambodia, Indonesia, Laos, Thailand, Malaysia, Philippines, and even Mesoamerica. It says. Hmm. Um, but anyway, um, it looks like probably originally. Hindu Hinduism and Buddhism and and, and I uh, related to that and I think um, there was even a Mortal Kombat villain named Naga. There's Mortal Kombat just takes everything <laughs> right and mixes it. Up. <laughs> you know, it's two it's two white dudes from Chicago that made Mortal Kombat. So, right. but they just love Asian shit and yeah. they just they just mix it all in together. One just real quick, we'll get back to it. But one time I was asked by a Japanese friend of mine, um, is Sub Zero Japanese or something? And I was just thought there for a second. It's just Asian shit. It's, <laughs> it's not... I mean, I think technically now they've gotten to the point where Sub-Zero's Chinese and Scorpion's Japanese, I think. Mm-hmm. But I think in the original... Like, it was just Asian shit <laughs> for Mortal Kombat. And they just mix it all in together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Uh, but anyway. Mm-hmm. I had That's my the spiel on Naga. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Yeah, no, I think yeah. it's, it's... It's cool that that's already an element and wasn't something that they just made up for the movie but it's already an element in the comics as well as in just general you know mythology, mythology. 
Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. Uh, here's what's interesting. Cobra's first clash with Batman was when he established himself as the only person in the DC universe who could decipher the Lazarus Pit outside of Ra's al Ghul. He came up okay. with his own Lazarus Pit where he would kill people and resurrect them, but whoever went through the Lazarus Pit would now be under his mind control. Okay. So major major baddie in the dc universe doesn't often face off against batman uh we've previously seen him actually we've seen cobra as an organization a terrorist organization in the dc animated universe but not in batman the animated series or in justice league but actually in batman beyond there were major villains in batman beyond uh they also showed up in batman the brave and the bold where the leader was voiced by robin atkin downs uh, who gets around a lot. He's a great voice actor. He did the voice of Doomsday or the, the grunts of Doomsday in Batman v Superman. Uh, okay, yeah. But he also voices Schlagenfaust, who's the guy who with the glasses who can turn oh, yeah. secretly a big snake guy. Schlagenfaust. Like, yeah. I tried to look up a Schlag... I, I, unfortunately, I like Schlagenfaust. That, they, that has to be a comic book character, and I couldn't find anything on him. Everyone oh, else really? is a comic book character. Up. Yeah, th- so they actually made him up, but he's impressive, so I'm like, eh, I'll allow it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then uh, he, it's like Cobra, evil, evil German doctor vibe. With, yeah, what with those glasses and whatnot. Yeah, but also can kick your ass and kill you. Uh, That's his, true. Snake, fucking snake hands. hands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he <laughs> yeah. was also shows up in Young Justice, teaming up with Bane, where the leader is voiced by Arnold Vosloo. So. Uh, that's cool. That in we, season three, I don't, I've seen season one. Uh, two, season think. three, I think, is at one point Batman faces off against uh, Bane, and I think Cobra is helping out Bane at that point. Okay, so all right. That's probably where that comes from. Uh, and then it turns out the other characters helping out Cobra are also comic characters, not Schlagenfaust, however. But uh, we have a female, uh, a blonde female, helping him out named Lady Eve, voiced by Great Lyle. And she is also a comic book character. Uh, she fought Batman and his team of heroes in Batman and the Outsiders, issues 24 to 27. Uh, in the comics, she's actually Jeffrey Burr's lover. They don't really cover that in the movie, though. Um, okay. But uh, Batman and the Outsiders helped stop uh, her plan with Cobra to brainwash all the uh, top members of the U.S. government, uh, of, of the U.S. Army, so that they could uh, blackmail the government. So... That's okay. kind of cool. Uh, there is a version of Lady Eve who is reimagined as an African-American crime boss in CW's Black Lightning, played by Jill Scott. I don't okay. know how deliberate that was or if it, they just happened to come across the name, though. Um, but the other major character who's fighting Richard Dragon at the end is King Snake, uh, a.k.a. Oh, Sir yeah. Edmund Dorrance, the blind man who fights Richard Dragon in the movie. Who's ki- It's kind of funny, too, uh, in that fight. That was a great fight, though. But he's voiced by Patrick Seitz. Um, he stays pretty true to the comics in the comics he was involved with Cobra uh, where he tried to take over and uh, he is blind and he's a great martial artist and has the the snake tattoo and everything uh, in terms of his look he has longer hair but what's not covered in the movie naturally because they didn't have him is that he is the father of Bane oh shit yeah so He's at one point Bane thought that maybe his real dad was Thomas Wayne, but then wait. He so Bane's Bane's half Asian, but born in Mexican Mexico. Well, King Snake is is British Caucasian, so he's oh. half white. So oh, okay. technically, I'm Tom so- Hardy's casting isn't that whitewashed. <laughs> 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 I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me just put it this way: not for me to decide. <laughs> so, never really mean mine to decide either, because yeah. uh, I'm not Latino. But <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, we need Wolfie uh, back for yeah, that one. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. There's been no other adaptation of King Snake. However, in the show Gotham, Bane's real name was revealed to be Eduardo Dorrance in reference to the fact that his father, King Snake, uh, King Snake is Edmund Dorrance. So that's kind of cool. But I thought it's cool that they added King Snake into here. They they basically didn't need to add as many comic book characters as they did. You know, they could have had yeah. just general generic henchmen uh, in there, but they they made an effort to include as many as possible, and I, I thought that was awesome. So, but they made Schlagenfaust. They made Schlagenfaust, but you know, I I'll allow it. So snake hands, man, <laughs> just crazy. And then the yeah. fucking you cut him off, and there's a whole other fucking snake there. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a like a version of Medusa or something, or Hydra. It is, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it felt like. That's what it felt like. Yeah. So. Anyway, uh, any final thoughts on Soul of the Dragon now that you have some of the comic book source material info? Mm, it could have been made better maybe with Katana. I keep getting... I still want Katana. Katana, Katana, I want Katana, Katana back. Katana's not in the movie. <laughs> I know. No, I don't know. When she brought up Katana, I was like, man, I could go for more Katana. I, She's I was, so cool. I was wondering. I'm like, you're going to have Cheshire in it, but you're not going to have Katana? Yeah. <laughs> like, Katana's yeah. actually has comic a uh, comic book history with batman cheshire doesn't like i don't know why jade Wynn is in this like maybe you know they probably i wouldn't have wanted her to be replaced by katana of course because they wouldn't want her to get killed off before she actually becomes katana but still it would have been nice. I, mean, I guess other than osensei and them wearing karate geese it's <laughs> mostly a chinese thing so katana's just not that you couldn't mix it but they just try to make it more you know china centric which maybe I, it'll be in the sequel if they ever get out of that dimension that would be cool. That yeah. would be cool. Or maybe um, Katana gets them out. That would be sweet also. So that'd be the, cool. The Soul Blade brings her there or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The Soul Breaker brought them in. The Soul Taker takes them out. Dude. We just I, wrote I mean, the sequel. HBO Max, come on. <laughs> you got to be listening to us over here. <laughs> DC um, Animation, come on. Yeah. Final final thoughts. Again, like my first thoughts in this, in this episode, just a lot better than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Total thumbs up. Definitely see it. I mean, we already spoiled the whole movie <laughs> for you, but if for some reason you haven't seen it, mm-hmm. go check it out. Um, Warner Brothers, uh, sadly, is not paying us. I wish they were. Um, <laughs> to advertise this? No. <laughs> to advertise this fucking movie. But, you know, I, it was a good move, too, just overall. Like, make let's make a 70s, um, you know, kung fu flick with Batman in it. It's really like a kung fu kung fu flick with Batman. Pretty like much, his, yeah. His name is in it to sell shit, but it's you know it's it's Richard Dragon's movie and and it was I don't know man it was it was cool it was definitely cool and the ending we didn't talk about this a whole lot but ahead, yeah. them like having this fucking conversation and then Batman's just already in that motherfucker. Right. Batman is already there. Like <laughs> I I love I love that too and it mm-hmm. and like it sets it up for a sequel really well and. Um, Batman felt vulnerable in this, um, mm-hmm. which was which is a big plus. He he gets his ass kicked a lot, and he's not. Would they even call him the weakest out of those six or something? I think did say oh, that? Sensei did because right? yeah. And then I was like, this is interesting because we never really see that. Like we're used to seeing Bat God in the Justice League, where he's like more powerful than the actual gods. Superman in there, <laughs> but here it's just like you're the weakest of the fighters. I'm just like actually. I'm okay with this because of the context here. When you got Richard Dragon, Lady Shiva, and Ben Turner as his peers, bro, and he's the one who needs to put on a bat suit in order to actually channel anything close to that, it's understandable. That's, that's the thing. That's a cool like balancing act of of strengths mm-hmm. with your characters. Like only way that's the reason. Like he 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 needs the darkness. Probably he needs the mm-hmm. smoke bombs. He needs all of his utility belt. 
he's not fully he's not fully formed until he's the bat. You know what I mean? That's a cool thing to think about with this mythology. He's mm-hmm. he's like in this situation, literally the weakest fucking guy there. I mean, he could kick most people's asses, but right. he, in this situation among these elite people, mm-hmm. uh you know, he's the weakest fucking guy there. So I think that's just it's just cool and he does show some would you say it's almost like whiny a little bit whenever he's first, when when Silver St. Cloud leaves him and he's like, I don't know, Richard Dragon, go and figure this out yourself. He, I don't, I don't, I don't know, know about that. a little that bit seems, on the whiny side. That seems a little bit more along the lines of Batman not being social and not wanting to deal with someone else's shit after, a you breakup. know, because he's, he's got, well, not only after a breakup, but he's got Gotham to take care of. Why does he need to, That's right. like, why does he need to give a shit about anything outside of the city? Until His love is Gotham. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My city, so, bitch. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's, it, it is interesting to see that, but it, it's, as I said, like I, I didn't necessarily like that Ben Turner outsmarted him with that one thing. Maybe they, if they switched it around and gave Ben a different way to showcase himself, uh, that would right, be cool. Right, 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 right. Again, like, I, I like... Like one of the, one of the things I like best is not when characters are sidelined, but when different strengths are played up. So one of my favorite episodes, The Mandalorian, is actually not the one you know spoiler, but not not the finale or anything like that. One of my favorites is actually the one with Tim, Timothy Oliphant, the first episode of the second mm. season because oh, that they was do so good. they do a nice balancing act of just like here's how The Mandalorian is still cool and here's how Timothy Oliphant is still cool and they both have their own strengths and they play off of each other, but neither one like one might outplay the other in one scene but then the next scene the other one outplayed you know like it's it's a nice balancing act as opposed to some other episodes where i was just like okay now this is the luke skywalker show (laughs) like it's like okay now this is a whole other different thing it's uh yes they they can't get away from fan service which you know it's fine whatever but i I mean again little sidetrack but that first mandalorian episode of season two is fantastic yeah just the whole idea of going to save a town. We're going to save a town that is mm-hmm. in trouble. You know what I mean? Like it's a fucking Wild West show. You know, like it's, it's, a, it's the whole yeah. premise. Yeah, Seven Samurai Two, of course. Uh, the whole premise is fucking Wild West shit or samurai shit. Like they just, I don't know. It was great. Yeah, it was yeah. my favorite of that season as well for yeah. sure. Yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely, definitely. So yeah, that's it's. I feel like that's a better way to to balance things out. But overall, like. I think the biggest strength of this movie is just showcasing lesser known parts of the DC universe and making you more interested in it. Cause like now I'm like, I'm more interested in Richard dragon thing than I ever was before this movie. Well, did they make fucking Nightwing a, 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 a spy for a while? They did. Recently? Yeah. Grayson. Yeah. Just fucking switch that up a little bit. Little same energy. Yeah. The spy energy. Whoever wrote that shit. Yeah. Well, they probably want an Asian writer, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> But you know, they they kind of have that mm, already there, right? It. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Ben Ben write it, <laughs> fucking. There you go. Yeah. Have a future state one too, whatever the fuck. Um, this is doing now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it's just like it's not that hard. It's yeah. not that hard. It's not. Turn that Nightwing hard. <laughs> Asian. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't well, know. I, I'm trying to make it. Dragon. I'm trying. I'm trying to make it, yeah, make him Richard Dragon. Make Nightwing Richard Dragon. I'm trying to, Richard like, make Dragon. it easy for, for producers to understand. <laughs> that's what I'm, that's what's the going on in tiny brains, head. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I haven't had any first-hand experience with any of that, but right. I've heard, let's just say, stories of 
Oh yeah. Yeah, some some of the producer stories, some of that shit's like it's a lot of horror stories, yeah. Has some some uh, uh foot in reality. Let's put it that way. Probably. Yeah, I I I don't <laughs> doubt that. I don't doubt that at all. <laughs> yeah. So Anyway, uh yeah, fantastic uh showcase, I think of, of different characters and hopefully you guys got a nice grasp of you know, who's who and hopefully there'll be more of this. So Batmobile. Is- very low sorry. <laughs> Cut you off again, but Batmobile real I'm quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's not really a Batmobile, is it? Like it, yeah, it, right. It feels a little bit more. It's either Bruce's car in a James Bond like tricked up car, or it's the 1970s Batmobile, which was not a very obvious Batmobile. It didn't have the fins. Didn't have. It wasn't a tank. It didn't have the Batmobile motif necessarily. So I feel like it's a takeoff of that. That's kind of the the Batmobile that Matt Reeves is channeling for I think the so. Batman. I think so. Um, is, is that what you were going to say, or what else did you think oh, about Oh, I just it? wanted to cover it real <coughs> yes. quick. Just yeah. just for completion's sake for yeah. whoever mm-hmm. might be listening yeah. and watching out there. Yeah, I did kind of want to see a 1970s Alfred. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I was just like, yeah. where is Alfred in this? Like, you would think he would at least show up and comment on, you know, Master Dragon, you know? Like, it would have been cool. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. That's cool. So. That would be cool. Anyway, yeah. So now that we covered the Batmobile, that is superhero stuff you should know. Time to cover our fan comments. Um, yes. So we had a few corrections departments uh, in here. Uh, this one is actually something that I think, Andrew, you wanted to address uh, since we got this back with the Catwoman episode. Uh, P. Graham 68 said, quote, Hey, just finished listening to your Catwoman episode, and, and after hearing Andrew say that Michelle Pfeiffer hasn't done much since Batman Returns, uh, dot, 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 she has been in 33 films, including the next Ant-Man movie in 2022, <laughs> and the handful of TV projects. Uh, I know you had something okay. to say about this, so take it away, Andrew. Oh, I don't have a whole lot. I mean, look, you're exactly right. I mean, her IMDb is there for everybody to see. Um, you know, she's definitely been in the mix. Uh, I was just saying something based on my own personal experience, not actual reality. <laughs> right. Um, the actual reality is, yes, she's been in 33 films. She has never quit working. Um, it just, I think the main thrust of what I wanted to say was she was in a Batman film when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And it was just, she had such an overwhelming presence as Catwoman in a very formative time of, of our lives. We're, we're not that much different in age. And um, like, and then to me, I didn't see her in a whole, whole lot until Ant-Man, really, except for <laughs> I, I did visit right. Paris in like 2009, and I saw her in, I think, some French movies there. I think she mm-hmm. speaks French. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, um, I could be wrong about that, but... Uh, so it's just it was a comment on my experience that's it um I, i'm not saying she didn't do anything else you know i mean right. you're right you're all right it was it's, just yeah you know i can i can see that because of the fact like you know batman forever and nicole kidman's in it and nicole kidman after 1995 is still in fucking everything you know like she's in so yeah. much stuff like i lose yeah. track of how much she's in like i don't even know how she gets a break but uh, it's just, it's it's not quite the same with uh pfeiffer but i mean everybody's career is different and uh you know she's fantastic in what she's in yeah for sure let's see next comment is from jose arrocha uh, he says hello i'm writing on behalf of the corrections department it was uh this is in response to me talking about uh the different uh, old bruce waynes 
So he said, quote, it was Brandon Routh who played Kingdom Come Superman in CW Crisis, the same Brandon Routh who played Christopher Reeves Superman in Superman Returns. Kevin Conroy did, in fact, appear in CW Crisis, but as Bruce Wayne, I'm thinking you said Kevin Conroy because you're as big a Batman fan as I, and Batman-related material is always on your mind. Um, <laughs> so, yes, Brandon Routh did play Kingdom Come Superman in Crisis. Uh, however, my mistake wasn't in the actor. My mistake was actually in the character. I said Kevin Conroy played Kingdom Come Superman. What I meant was Kevin Conroy played Kingdom Come Bruce Wayne uh, in Crisis. So that's actually what I was referring to uh, on that. But uh, I didn't realize that I had said Superman until I looked back and wondered why you said this <laughs> and, and saw the what I actually said in the episode where I said Kevin Conroy was Kingdom Come Superman. And I thought that would have been weird. <laughs> with him as Just Superman. a little goof, <laughs> little goof on Ben's part. <laughs> Statistically, it's still the safest way to travel. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> he says, anyway, love your exactly. channel. I've been listening to you guys on Spotify, but I'm going to drop a like to improve your algorithms. Thank you. Uh, more people need to catch up on you guys. Thank you again. Wonder Woman 1984 gets worse the more anyone speaks on it. I'd much prefer <laughs> the Wonder Woman that quickly discarded Steve Trevor to put the moves on New 52 Superman over this needy I need Steve Wonder Woman. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, just agree. talking about that with Steve Trevor and people saying, why isn't Wonder Woman moved on? Mm -hmm. uh, this is only tangential to that comment, but it's you been on like, my his mind. His just that good. His, his, yeah, it's just an excellent dick, but no. Um, Basically, uh, I think again, I th I don't know for sure, but I think Patty Jenkins and and, and Gal Gadot just had this idea of uh, what you call it, um, ro like really romantic uh, fairy tale love that never goes away. And mm -hmm. it's interesting for me to hear everybody be very realistic about this approach and how they handle love in a superhero because to me superheroes so close to mythology so close right. to ro any kind of overly romantic notions anyway fairy tales i think they're all sort of connected at mm -hmm. least at least loosely so um but i think ultimately to be realistic about about that kind of thing is a good thing especially in real life you don't want to mm -hmm. be hung up on somebody forever but yeah. i think that's what they were saying but thank you sorry i always go on tangents i know that but um <laughs> Yes, good comment, Jose, yeah. and uh, thanks for uh, making the making the trip from Spotify to YouTube to, <laughs> yes. to give us give us a comment. Thank you. Yeah, now, I I agree with Andrew that it, it is kind of a case of feeling like people are looking at this from a more realistic lens than what Patty Jenkins intended. It looks very yes. much like it seems like not only did you want to set in 1984, but you also wanted to almost make it feel like an 80s movie, which is why we got this body swap bullshit. With, all the, got... with all the non-wokeness of the 80s. <laughs> <Yeah. You went laughs> That's why we got you that. too far with the Patty Jinx. <laughs> too far with that with and it. then this whole fairy tale thing, and I'm just like, okay, like I get that's what you're going for, but... To be quite frank, I think the real reason why Steve Trevor is in this movie is because Chris Pine sells tickets. And they're yes, just like, uh, shit, we killed him off. Uh, let's bring him back. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I have heard from several different women that Pine is like the top. And I, I mean, look, I, that's one of the most handsome dudes I've ever seen. Right. For sure. But I think, uh, yeah, it just seems like, yeah, Pine's really like Brad, almost Brad Pitt levels we're looking at. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, thank you, Jose. Last comment thank is you. from, let's see if I can do this right, Adam Frautskoviak. He says, Frautskoviak nice. is a Polish surname. It's supposed to read roughly as Frautskoviak. 
Let me know if I got that right. Uh, <laughs> I am so happy you replied to my comment. And okay, so a few questions for us. One, did you ever have a situation when you had a headcanon or origin story for a comic and later you saw a comic doing something extremely similar to the thing you invented? For me, that happens at least three times with different media. <laughs> Uh, sorry about that, Adam. Uh, and yes, I did. So in 2016, I wrote a TV series spec for the show Gotham. And in it, I had Alfred reveal that Thomas Wayne talked him out of driving them to the movie theater that night. And Alfred took the night off. And that's why in every version of the Wayne murders, they're walking to the car alone. They're not picked up immediately by Alfred outside the theater. They're walking out alone. And that's the night they're killed. And so Alfred is always living with the guilt of not being there and doing his job on the one night where it mattered the most. Uh, and that was an idea that I had, and uh, I told some people about it, and, and people loved it. Um, eventually, I'm going to upload that spec into my website coming up so you guys can can read that for yourselves. But uh, last year, Pe- uh, Peter Tomasi wrote Pennyworth R.I.P., where they incorporated that idea in the comics, where Alfred was not there that night because Thomas Wayne told him not to be. And so... Um, that is you now part of, while, part of Comic Canon. You told people while living in, in L.A. and it's just word travel, <laughs> dude. It probably did come from you. <laughs> Damn you, Tomasi. It probably so, did uh, come from you. It's what it's whatever it is, you know. It's it's part. We're, there are so many different versions of the Batman mythos. This is just one of them. Uh, right. <clears throat> Adam also asked, do you think that in the 21st century having original ideas even matter when someone bigger and with a budget can accidentally come up with the same idea quicker? Um, I, I would say yes ideas still matter because it's not necessarily about the idea it's about the execution of that idea someone can still have the same idea as you but not have the right execution for it now mm-hmm. there's going to be a bit of a dispute in terms of whether you can still do it uh, depending on how similar that idea is but overall if you want to have creative ideas if you want to pursue a career in Creativity, you can't just rely on the ideas themselves. You have to rely on your execution of that, and that execution comes with the, the skill of your storytelling. So even if you do have a few ideas that other people end up rolling with and have more famous versions of, A, there's always going to be reboots or people retreading the same ground, but also B, you coming up with that helps your creative skills. So maybe you don't run into, you don't make that, but eventually you do become in a position to be the big guy with a big budget who has eerily similar ideas as all the other laymen <laughs> out there <laughs> and you get to be in that position but it's because you are a writer which means that you don't just have one thing you have multiple things you come up with different ideas all the time in different executions of those ideas and your ideas can very much be better executed than what's out there in bigger budget stuff but that doesn't change the fact that your voice still matters that's my message for you so. Nice. Uh, and that is it. Froutskoviak. Froutskoviak, yes. So Frouts let us Koviak. know how we did with the pronunciation. And uh, let me know what you think of that. Uh, anyways, I think that's it. Yeah, in terms of the comments, that is it. Uh, over to you, Andrew. Oh, man. Ben word. <laughs> Don't you know what time it is here today? <laughs> Woo! Here today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we would like to thank our Patreon uh, patrons as well as other supporters and their names include SDCT Productions, Robert Schumann Kuki Noms, Matt Herring Elijah B, Shamrock Balls, Aaron Willett Ian H, Dan D Leom O, Super Inframan and Douglas P please join the Shasta Army 
so you can have your name added to this list. Uh, or <laughs> And that's at patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. Okay. Uh, so you get your name added to the list at the $1 tier. Uh, shout outs in every episode. And then at the $5 tier, you get extra episodes every Friday. So you get us on Monday for free and then Friday for $5 a month. Uh, you can cancel that at any time. And uh, we release one episode every week. So getting close to uh, like a dollar an episode there. If you, you so desire, please check out Superhouse merch, superhero stuff. You should know merch at superhousepod.redbubble.com. Get yourself a Ben mug, a Ben man mug. Get yourself yep. an Indeed Wizard mug. Illustrations by Wolf Octavius Maximus. Um, <laughs> Wolfie Aurelius the third. Yeah, Aurelius the third. Um, <laughs> we're all brothers. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, t-shirts as well. Uh, all kinds of stuff there. So uh, uh, let us know what you feel about that. Please check it out. Please buy some stuff if you want it. And um, then please leave us a review on the iTunes store. Um, helps our visibility out there. And uh, please, after that, after you do all this, Ben, the next thing you do in this list, this yes. is a whole plan for oh, the yeah. listeners, okay? What do we do? The next, the next thing is um, you take out your phone, yeah. you record a little something on your voice recorder app, and then send that something to superhousepodcast at gmail.com, and then you too can be on the show, dear listener. So, <laughs> so please do that. And then uh, I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm also I have another YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash user slash thunderwolflives. Also thunderwolflives.com. Um, but that's it. Um, if you're listening to us on Spotify or just the podcast uh, audio only and you for some reason want to see our beautiful faces, um, <laughs> please check out um, us on YouTube as well. Uh, YouTube dot com slash user slash superhero stuff pod uh superhero stuff you should know just search for it whatever you want to listen or watch us we're probably there take it away ben you can also follow us on instagram at superhero stuff pod you can also follow us on twitter at superhouse pod uh in terms of myself you can follow me on instagram at ben one writer and uh keep your eyes out for ben one writer.com where i will Woo! be uh, showcasing a few of my own writing samples including that gotham spec that i just mentioned will be up on there uh as well as the deleted scene i mentioned uh in our interview with cole vallis that features bruce wayne talking to tommy elliott uh and then i will be starting up my own uh, youtube channel with pitches with basically audio dramas things that uh, are some of my own writing of characters i don't own that i've decided you know what fuck it i'm just going to share out these stories to you guys the viewer i mean the viewers slash listeners over at superhero stuff you should know uh, so uh, keep your eyes out for that speaking and of i think speaking of twi- uh, uh, real, yeah. real quick speaking of pitches i've actually thought about that for this show let <clears> us know <throat> in the comments if you want us to do this but um if we had like a youtube only quick show like 10 minutes or something called some something to the effect of hey producers listen <laughs> something, <laughs> something like that yeah. like we we do like the perfect not the perfect of course but like you know a, a pitch that both we of course that we like but we think right. that fans will also like like the purpose would be to kind of uh, 
the per our audience really would be producers in Hollywood. <laughs> right. They're like, hey, listen to this. This is what people, what we think, what people actually fucking want. You know what I mean? Um, something like that. You know what I mean? Like it's it's us pitching ideas to HBO Max, like we already do anyway. <laughs> yes. But like something that's just that. I don't know. What mm -hmm. do you think about that, Ben? I think it's perfect. I think it falls. I mean, we've already been pitching. We have, we what? We got the Batman training yeah. TV show. We got the uh, Bud Collier and the Radio Superman yes. TV show. Oh, we got all sorts I, of shit. I want that one. Yes. Yeah. Batman: The Legend continues. Man, come on. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so. And now Richard Dragon. Richard spy Dragon show. spy show. Yeah. This shit <sighs> writes itself. Killing me over here. <laughs> shit writes itself. Doesn't it, Hollywood do producers? It. Anyway, let us know if you want that. And, uh, again, be on the lookout for uh, my stuff, benwanrider.com. Coming soon. Signing off. Bye. Signing off. <laughs> <laughs>